from the creators of Relevant Magazine. This is the Relevant Podcast. It's week of Friday, March 3rd, 2017, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and this week's show is brought to you by Casper, a sleep brand that created one perfect mattress sold directly to consumers, eliminating commission-driven inflated prices. Uh, Casper's award-winning sleep surface was developed in-house, has a sleek design, and is delivered in a small, how did they do that, sized box. (laughs) In addition to the mattress, Casper also offers an adaptive pillow and soft, breathable sheets. They're revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the... What's an adaptive pillow? I'm telling you, uh, Cohen has one, a Casper pillow, and it is... There's like you, you, it just adapts to your head weight, and your it doesn't smush on you, and it's not too firm. It's just the perfect pillow, and I gave it it's to like, my son because I love him. It's like those new <laughs> Nike shoes that tie themselves. Yes, they just are what you need them to and, be. Yeah, yeah, and they loosen when you want it looser, and it just it knows your body. You were, doing, you were doing a good job with the read. I'm sorry I interrupted it, but keep going. Two, no, it's a fantastic. Pick up on adaptive pillow in two, one. Casper is uh, <laughs> revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and. Passing that savings wow. directly to the consumers. The other thing I like it with the how do they do that box? It's like you're getting a great product, a great product, and a one-time magic trick in a single purchase. <laughs> to me, to me, that's that's like a double. That's like bonus the value because you can have people over and have the box there, and then do like a cool magic trick where a mattress comes. What's out. behind your ear? Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. It combines supportive memory foams to create an award-winning sleep service with just the right sink in just the right bounce. With over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars, it's quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. That's uh, They base that on uh, Amazon, Google reviews, Casper. There's some Yelp. real stuff. That's not yeah. fake news. That's uh, real facts, not alternative facts. facts. Yeah. They, uh, don't even, they don't even take the in the LA sites Times. Like Amazon. They also, yeah. they also uh, have free shipping and returns to the U.S. and Canada. You can try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. Hey, right now, uh, Casper's offering Relevant Podcast listeners a special offer. You can get 50 bucks off any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash relevant and using the offer code relevant. Terms and conditions apply. There you go. Like I said, I'm your host, Cameron. Here with me in our Orlando studios, Eddie Big Cat Coffold. Nice to see you, man. Over there, our social media maven, Chelsea Steele. Hello, everybody. On the ones and twos, our illustrious producer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. And on the Skype line from Loveland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. We have uh, an awesome show. Nice. <laughs> Just a different timber in your voice today, hello, Jess. Hello. Well, it's a different day. We're, yeah. I'm coming in hot this morning, yeah, guys. Da, 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 da. I'm high energy. It's early in the week. I'm still, you know, the reserves are still high yeah. right now. Yeah. We, we uh, this is, it's an unusual recording day. Yes. We're recording earlier in the week than we normally would. This is a yeah. big week of relevance. So you're hearing this on Friday. <laughs> Friday. You, by Friday, have heard it's uh, our big announcement that happened this week. Uh, we redesigned the magazine. That's out now. It's our March issue. Mm-hmm. We launched the brand new relevantmagazine.com, mm-hmm. and we announced the Relevant Podcast Network, which is launching this spring. Are we so, talking it? Are we using RPN yet? 
RPN is the little logo mark. It's out oh, is on it? the internet. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I don't know that we're gonna. Say, You're listening to RPN. I don't think we're gonna do <laughs> yeah. that. Is RPN? Yeah. I don't think we're doing that. But like the little logos on the different show graphics, you know, little. We we have Lax Me sing. Uh, she's she's doing the RPN bump, so that's pretty exciting. <laughs> it's a real in the weeds joke. That I, I, appre- I appreciate it. But there's two people that are just giving like a nice golf clap. Or like, under, like, that's all I wanted. I wanted uh, the NPR golf right. clap. Well, we'll head nod to you guys out there. We'll head nod to you, Morning Edition folks. Yeah. <laughs> we we talked about the new issue of Relevant on last week's uh, podcast and told you all about it and the redesign and all that kind of stuff. But now y'all have seen it. Uh, we've been getting hit up by subscribers all mm-hmm. week uh, that uh, it's arriving and they're connecting with it and it's uh, it's awesome to see something you've worked so long and so hard to like it's being well received it's can really I, fun can i be the jerk of all time yeah please <laughs> i remember like i would give like a sermon and i would just be preaching from my toes and feel like all what right does that mean like, like you would stand on your toes? I think realistically it means you said the thing up there that you had hoped you were going to say. Right, you nailed I, it. I you, thought it meant you were doing you you signed that you did you sign language for the sermon. He did it with your toes. So it's kind of like that guitarist who played the guitar for the pipe with his feet in the seventies. It's nearly impossible. Yeah, the armless guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's but so I'm saying, and you know, you get people talk to you about it, and you have conversations about it, and then you'd get that one email that's just like, uh, just so you know, the boy wasn't actually selling uh he wasn't and didn't actually bring fishes and loaves. He was actually selling them. And it's just like a pretty important point of this. I mean, it just killed. Mm-hmm. Has anybody emailed you and been like, it's too big? No. I mean, not me. I it's mean, huge. I haven't been watching Facebook and stuff. I was going to say, I, I haven't seen this many like, and not to like toot our own horn or anything, but like, you know, it is like a major redesign, a major new look. And so like, I haven't seen this much instant response, like mm-hmm. from when it hits uh, subscribers to when people are saying nice things it, for any issue that I can remember. I'll toot your own horn because as I've said many times, I have nothing to do with the magazine. <laughs> I only I watch it pop up on the board, then I just see it. It's beautiful. Thanks. It's always it been beautiful. thoughtful and great. So, but the content, it's like yeah, interesting. It still feels like relevant, but there was like a content shift that mm-hmm. I can't put my finger on. Right. Can you talk about that? Yeah, it, it matured a little bit. I mean, I just like, we, we launched a new website in 2000, late 2012, <laughs> uh, going into 13. And, you know, we did a pretty big shift with the company at that time. We shut down everything else we were doing, all the mm-hmm. marketing. Uh, we had an ad agency. We had other magazines. We, we shuttered all that and just went all in with Relevant and just rebooted you had an everything. an ad agency? Yeah, for 12 years. That was most of our revenue. It was doing creative like, services for other companies. Yeah. So did you have like those meetings like in Mad Men where they're sitting down doing like <laughs> and pitching campaigns for, and stuff? Pitching Absolutely. for Heinz beans and stuff like that? Yeah. I mean, it was more a marketing <laughs> consultation and stuff, but I mean, it was the thing to make the ends meet while our fledgling little magazines couldn't make the ends meet. We oh. could do, qual- we could put more resources into the magazine and the web stuff. Uh, then they merited because we did this other business on the side to make ends meet. So anyway, we shut all that down and uh, 12 started uh, a different strategy and just said, what if we gave everything away for free? What mm-hmm. if, you know, sure, it costs money to mail a magazine to your house, so you pay for that. But yeah. we don't care about trying to sell you products anymore. We care about the message getting out there. And so we started doing a lot more online and, and just, you know, just strategically shifted things. We started growing. And so things that had been kind of normal for five years or kind of similar size reach started to really explode. And we started to go from about 750,000 people a month 
uh, in 2012 to last year we had 73 million people that we tracked. And um, the problem with that is, is that three, four years of like grow, 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 uh, it's easy to stay do- there. And just like, so about a year ago, we're in a web editorial meeting and the lineup felt like the same kind of ideas from the previous week and the previous week and the previous week. And they were working and they were connecting with people, but I was bored. And so I started just saying to everybody like, I mean, I just don't want to keep, I've been there, done that. I just don't want to keep doing yeah. these same like seven core messages like for the rest of my life. Like, so I started thinking like, okay, if I, 2017, this is last year, 2017, if, if I was to start over, and just launch a new magazine or a new media platform in 2017, what would that look like? Mm. And well, let's just do that. Let's yeah. just do that one. And so we essentially approached the redesign process with like no sacred cows, like nothing legacy had to move forward in the next era. It would just like authentically be, let's say what we want to say and say it the way we want to say it and not worry about how we said it for the last 15 years, you know? And so when it came to the magazine, you know, there was things like we had little sections like reject apathy and maker and like and all these little brands in the magazine. I just felt like it was cluttery and junk mm-hmm. and it was just noise. And it's like almost like it created this rigidity that distracted from a organic experience, uh, content experience and, and, and even like templates in the design process. There were certain approaches visually that we just kept going back to. Mm-hmm. We kept like digging from the same well. And I just was like, so we approached this, like, I don't want any more templates. I want every idea to be expressed in the best way for that idea to be expressed uh, Mm. visually. I want, if this is, if this should be a listicle and it should really be about a two pages long, then let's do that Mm -hmm. and not try to bloat it to a four page feature because that's what it normally would be. Mm -hmm. You know, like, let's cut things down to like just what it should be. And so the uh, content evolution is, you know, we're still feel like, God's called us to, you know, lead the conversation at the intersection of faith and culture. We feel like, you know, the conversation that we're leading that, you know, showing that faith, that God, that there's a, that God is relevant to all aspects of our life, not just church and stuff. So what we do with our career matters and how we live our life and relationships and justice and all those things, you know, that there is a God conversation to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still feel passionate about that. And so we're still talking about a lot of the same scope of what we're doing, but it kind of matured. And, and I think like shedding old skin, format wise mm-hmm. was really refreshing and allowed us to yeah. kind of approach the same maybe topics, but with f- a fresh perspective and that's, voice. Yeah, that's what it is. Cause it's, yeah, that's an interesting, by the way, that's preaching from your toes. Just so you know, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I was losing. It, what you can't see is Cameron is sign language and with his yeah. right now. That whole dialogue. It's pretty impressive. I was, yeah. I was losing, I was losing feeling in my toes. Yeah. I was yeah. getting so revved now, up. But. Just to echo kind of what, what Cameron's saying. I was actually having a conversation with Aaron, our editorial director last night. Who knows night. Tim Tebow so well. That's literally yeah, his yeah. claim to fame is he, he was, fourth grade friends with Tim Tebow. Okay. Keep going. Yeah, so I'm chatting with Aaron and we're talking about some, uh, you know, interviews, you know, him and I had both had recently for an upcoming issue. And it kind of like, you know, 
what Cameron was saying about like the intentionality of the conversations that we're having. We've always tried to do that, and I'm I, and I'm really proud of everything. And I think Cameron, I I don't want to speak for you, but I know everyone on the team is very proud of everything that we've done in the past. But it does feel like we've honed our filters a little for this kind of new season, and the intentionality that we're approaching a lot of these conversations with. It's like reinvigorating. I feel like from a creative standpoint, I hope that the reader experiences that too that you know it's almost going like a level deeper and we've thrown out the old formulas Mm -hmm. and we're trying something new and fresh and go where the conversations lead and i hope it's surprising i hope it's uh you know inspiring for people and that they really it's like they're reading a new magazine even though it feels familiar right it's like you just grew up a little bit Right. Um, I would like to say also that I was hurt that my suggestion for my feature did not make it into the magazine. What was that again? Crossword. I would like to do the crossword on the last page. Uh, I am in Eddie's corner on this one. Right. So this would be a Bible themed crossword puzzle. It's like the Southwest thing. You have the Sudoku, you have the crossword, and everyone turns there first. Is that that what you say? Sudoku? I thought it was Sudoku. I thought it was Sudoku. Either way, you can't pop in one more page in the end for a game section <laughs> like how much does it cost probably whatever 25 cents pass it along to the readers five thousand dollars five thousand dollars be nice anyway we uh we also the big thing this week is we launched the new relevant magazine.com yeah. uh I, it went up on wednesday i would say it's a soft launch honestly it's a mm-hmm. uh, kind of a phase one uh this thing will continue to expand and uh, refine in the coming weeks and and especially months long term. Uh, it's it, the site is. I don't know if you've been around our site in the last couple of years, but it's not been the fastest site uh, from a technical standpoint. <laughs> don't you dare. <laughs> the, the, the camera, there is nothing, I, as much as I am stoked about some of the interviews we've gotten and the, the new look and the magazine and the positive feedback, there's nothing I'm more excited about than having a website that will, we've been, uh, you know, victims of our own growth to a degree because there are times, you know, where we have so many people coming to the website that it slows down to a crawl like, and it like, creates a, a very it, difficult like user. 45 seconds to load it yeah it's, mm-hmm. sort of a it's on a zeos 586 yeah. in the garage uh-huh. it so, literally we're recording on tuesday joke. that literally <laughs> happened like a lot of the afternoon you know earlier this week before yeah. we did the relaunch you know which is a good problem to have but this will solve well, it too. so we've from so again from the ground up mm-hmm. rethink everything what's important moving forward cross <laughs> scalability, uh, reach, global reach. So we switched over to cloud server. So it will be kind of distributed around the globe and literally will be one of the fastest websites like that exists. Uh, honestly, from a content standpoint, it's it's blazing. I mean, like fractions of a microsecond sort of load time. It's crazy. The tech that's running this thing. Um, we you guys also, use the Pied Piper compression app to get the whole right, thing in Pied there. That's right. Piper all over it. <laughs> yeah. Silicon Valley reference. Um, and then, uh, so that was kind of the, a new foundation for the house to be built on. And then it's like, what do we want the house to look like? And again, it was a, let's cut off you know, prune off dead branches yeah. and let's simplify and do mm. double down on the content that we believe in and that we're excited about every day. And, and, and again, how can we remove the safety net of been there, done that, yeah. right? You know, redundancy. And so there's a lot with the content that is going to be very different. Um, it's going to be a higher volume of content every day. It's going to be far more, uh, engaging visually. It's beautiful. Uh, we worked very hard to figure out how, 
how in this distributed digital age, when I can look at an article from Rolling Stone and Time and Newsweek and Relevant, BuzzFeed and LA Times, all on the same you know app, essentially, you mm-hmm. know, whether it be Flipboard or Apple News or whatever. What about our little web article on your phone looks and feels like relevant? You know, how is it uniquely us? Well, how do we, so how do we tap into the print visual experience, which is beautiful and white space and modern? And how do we bring that into your phone screen and your computer screen? The team worked very hard on that. And I'm really proud of where we ended up with the design. Uh, the, the content sections and, and, and the multimedia stuff is definitely a phase one. Uh, we just had to get the thing yeah. up. And then like once it's up, now we can start keep adding to it. Because so. there's some stuff we've been working on for phase two already. It's the, a, the, the fun and games tab. Yeah. <laughs> the fun and games tab. Oh, man. It is well, blazing this, uh, fast. I haven't got this approved yet, but it's something I have a little side project. It's a Magic Eye section. Uh, and it's, it's the best of, of the Magic Eye glory days. Oh, that would be and, just uh, an April uh, Fool's. Yeah, Does that work on a computer screen? I've never seen them in print either. I can't see them. But, Cameron, I, mean, I haven't thought of that yet and it's very concerning to me because I put a tremendous amount of time and I did not factor in screen he, Jesse is uploading oh, four no. terabytes oh, no. I'm looking right now they don't right work now. at all they this is a bunch of dots they don't work at all this is this is, this a, is a huge mistake <laughs> only yeah, only works in posters literally if you look at Jesse's uh, calendar uh, any given work week about 80% of his time it was blocked off for a special project and I didn't know what it was <laughs> but this magic eye section apparently if that's what the special oh, project was, has been about 80% of yeah. his compensation for the last six months. And he's been doing it Rembrandt style, just a dot at a time with a little yeah, oil brush. It turns out I should have taken a lesson and even, I don't even know how these things work. I was just hoping that these things would come together at the He's end. just painting trash all day. Time well spent. Oh boy. Well, anyhow, all this sounds very exciting. Uh, and then the podcast network. Yes. That's going to be the thing. Now like, we're talking. Um, the show, this show will continue every week uh, as, as, as we have been doing for 11 years except adding a little thing to the end of it the fun and games tab keep going yeah um, <laughs> and uh and, and we're launching a, a, a handful of other shows uh we're doing shows that we're producing uh mm-hmm. that kind of dive into other aspects of the relevant content spectrum everything from long form one-on-one interviews to uh to sports even uh, mm-hmm. to like the, the whole gamut and, and music oh, and culture I'll be and, all over that sports one uh, yeah <laughs> the too. fun and games podcast <laughs> which uh, oh, yeah. you'll host wait it's just an it's an audible sudoku <laughs> kind of like I'm like, all oh, right. Okay. So it's not like Hollywood game night on NBC. <laughs> no, no, no. It's just or like, wait, wait, don't tell you know, me. It's just no, me reading me the like... last page of the magazine. <laughs> oh, right. yeah. um, so we're, so the podcast network is going to be fun because we're going to do a season based approach with all the other shows. Yes. Yeah. So we'll do like 12 episodes of a season. So three months on, cool. then we'll do off for the summer and then we'll come back with a fall season. Yeah. And so some of the shows will continue like the sports one. We know we'll have season one, season two, you know, yes. continue. Other shows can kind of come and go. So we might do a a show with um, somebody notable and they can do 12 and we have this great finished piece of work. And then maybe we do somebody else in the fall or something, you know, like we can move things around and it'll be a lot of fun. And then we're going to be partnering and helping other podcasts as well. We're going to kind of have affiliate and partner shows that we don't produce, but we kind of link arms with and help uh, distribute market those shows. So finding great shows out there that already are going and we can kind of 
help put them on our platform and help propel them and you know stuff we believe in so that's gonna be a lot of fun yeah um, it's an exciting but time then, but then the last thing so when I talk about like the website we'll have more things being added and stuff yes. you know you guys have heard on the podcast we're moving studios soon we're building mm-hmm. out new studios right. right now uh, this week last last night Thursday night we had a little groundbreaking party so for the new launch and everything and uh, obviously we're talking about it in the past tense and it hasn't quite happened yet for us um, but we we're downtown at our new spot and we had everybody over and we had little hard hats and like it was it was it's, it's you know a moment I have not paid any attention to this because I like this <laughs> building and I don't want to leave it oh you'll I, like this other you building wait it's till not flashy so I'm sure it's fine but it's going to be a whole to do we've already talked about this <laughs> so so uh, one of the big reasons yeah. is okay so on the new relevantmagazine.com we took away the drop and we took away relevant TV and there's a reason you got to take something away and create the absence and then build anticipation for an all new. Mm -hmm. So there's a a lot of exciting video stuff in the works and also a lot of fun audio music type things that will be happening on our platform this year, later in the year. So a big new era is kicking off like right now. Normally we don't sit here and talk about uh, relevant inside, inside baseball type stuff, but this is a big week. Some housekeeping, um, man. People got to know. We gotta yeah, know. No. If we don't tell them, how are they gonna know? There yeah. you go. Well, we have a great show uh, coming up later. We talked to actor Sam Worthington. Uh, you you know him from uh, Hacksaw Ridge, uh, Avatar, uh, a ton of movies. But he's in the new movie, The Shack, that's coming mm. out. So he's coming up later. And also, Social Club Misfits joins us. They released an awesome new album about a month ago, and so they are joining us and talking through the album with us. And it'll be kind of a listening room experience with them. Uh, for their new tracks. It's really cool. Me. I was yeah. getting my hair cut the other day and my barber, uh, he and I, we only, I've been going to him for probably five years. We only have two things that we talk about, basketball <laughs> and hip hop. That's all we talk okay. about. And it, it, so we always are trying to like find new music that the other one doesn't know yet. Mm. Right. So I was getting my hair cut like three, four weeks ago and he's like, tell me about some bands and then he goes oh and there's this other one I forget their name I forget their name but I was listening to them I listened to them three times all the way through it's great it's like trap it's awesome and then I realized like on the third listen like there was no profanity and uh and I thought that was weird and then I'd started listening even closer and I realized they were talking about God a lot and uh and I was like are you talking about social club misfits and he goes yeah that's them dude they're really good you're a Christian right you know my barber's an atheist and he was like getting down with Christian hip hop because social club misfits is so good so there you go your barber's an atheist yeah he's an atheist feels like there's a that's the punchline, and I can't figure out the joke to it. Okay. My barber's an atheist. <laughs> How do you know your barber's an atheist, right? Like, that's the setup. Oh, he's yeah. uh, uh, an angry atheist, and we'll tell you about it. Like like a vegan or a CrossFitter. Yeah. You know, that's like, fine. they'll tell you their thing. Jesse is, yeah. I can see the steam coming out of his ears right now, trying to get the other side of it. We'll have it, we'll have it by the end of the show. Ears are turning. We'll have it by the end of the show. All right. Well, there you go. So that's coming up later. Uh, moving the show along, it's time for our look back at what happened this week in culture and entertainment it's time for in case you missed it well in case you missed it this year's oscars broke records for the number of black actors actresses and filmmakers that won 
Yeah. And right at the end is when the record was broken. <laughs> <laughs> I was so tempted to do it in case you missed it about the big uh, kerfuffle. But I feel like at this point, everyone saw it. I was watching the Oscars. I was, I was, it was running late and I was getting really tired, oh, you yeah. know? And I was like, I've made it this far. I am going to watch just to see who wins Best Picture. And I'm going to bed. So they announced La La Land and I see them take the stage. I'm like, all right, that's it. I'm going to bed. I literally turned off the TV. You're and I, kidding. I swear. And I woke up the next morning. And, and you, uh, you were yeah, like 20 seconds from a huge cultural moment. Yeah, exactly. I missed it by literally seconds. It was the best feeling. I was with a lot of animated people. So we we're like, oh, that's I think we were all kind of rooting for Moonlight. And we're like, mm-hmm. oh, well, what? we enjoyed La La Land. That's cool. And then you see everyone start turning and you see some guy with a headset run oh, yeah, out and everyone's guy. looking around. And then someone's like, Moonlight. You won. I loved that guy. And I was like, the is producer he? Of he, was so, yeah. he was so gracious. <laughs> yeah. I'm like on your feet and gotta be, I mean, so many people watching. He was just really kind. Mm-hmm. I loved how without even looking, he snatched the card out of. Yeah. Uh, he was just like, <laughs> Warren Beatty doesn't have this. He didn't, but if you look at it, he didn't look at the card. Like he didn't look that it actually he said, pulled yeah. it he just pulled it out and held it to the camera yeah. without even like double checking wow. it. Wow. Yeah, that guy yeah. had, that he had guy moxie. Had really uh, he had and after what strong happened. wherewithal. Yeah. Well, the, it, the thing is like, Warren Beatty did not need to come back up to the microphone and explain what happened. You've done enough at this point, I'm like, Warren Beatty. No, 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 no. I'm glad he did. No. I'm, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm glad he did. Because, <laughs> It, it, he's not he didn't Harvey it it wasn't a Warren Beatty issue no, yeah, I know. he was yeah. given the wrong card yeah. but his concern was more that Warren Beatty was taken care of rather than the yeah. Moonlight people got another 10 seconds up there to do an acceptance yeah, speech yeah they didn't get their moment I will say though have you seen Moonlight no I bought it but it I is, haven't watched it it yet. is shattering it is it was the. I think it was the best picture well there you go yeah well it literally was yeah but I was like very <laughs> relieved at that one it was such a good <laughs> literally such a good movie there you go well uh, people of color took home Oscars in several of the major uh, categories including best adapted screenplay best mm-hmm. supporting actress best supporting actor best documentary you know obviously it was just a year ago that the hashtag Oscars so white became a turning topic after the Academy Awards didn't feature one actor of color for two consecutive years in any of the major categories Four of the Best Picture nominees uh, told stories primarily focused on people of color, including, um, obviously, Best Picture winner Moonlight. So it's uh, yeah, a shift. Big year. It was a yeah. huge year. Well, in case you missed it, uh, this week, Carl Lentz preached a mini sermon on the Dr. Oz show. Did you see this? We posted it on yeah. Yeah. It was, this, it was this was. I was so nervous when I saw Dr. Oz's setup, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, as part of his I Faithful n- Friday series, uh, Dr. Oz recently invited Hillsong New York Pastor Carl Lentz on, on the daytime talk show. What were yeah. you going to say? I had no idea Carl knew so much about the uh, the food pyramid. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he did a great job. Or, uh, or Dr. Oz's weird pseudoscience vitamins. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the host and Oprah protege, who's known for his sometimes controversial medical advice, told his audience that Lentz would, quote, not talk so much about the rules, but the energy behind religion. (laughs) When I heard that, I'm like, oh boy, Carl, (laughs) get us out of this, man. This is like, I'm not like a, I'm not like an Oprah hater, but like, I feel like Dr. Oz represents part of like the worst uh, uh, about, like the things that people criticize Oprah about, like Dr. Oz represents that, like just kind of weird hokey stuff a lot of times. And when he was like, he's going to talk about the energy of religion. I'm like, what is that even mean i don't i don't i have no idea we write about and cover religion and i have no idea what he's referencing here 
Well, Carl, obviously, he took the next four minutes. You you give Carl a mic. He's going to talk about Jesus. He's yeah. not. I don't mm-hmm. care what weird energy setup you've given me. We're going to we're going to win mm-hmm. some souls today. That's that's Carl. Yeah. Uh, so he took the next four minutes to preach a mini sermon about the power of turning to Jesus for help. Uh, here's a clip. And I remember thinking it's always better to find somebody who knows the map better than you. We live in a world right now where people are trying to figure out this life without talking to the designer. And when Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, he wasn't talking about a religion. He wasn't talking about a social construct. He was talking about the king of heaven and earth giving you clues on where you need to go. And I would tell you this. um, I don't want to get caught in life where I'm just, have you ever felt like you're in a hamster wheel? Like you're taking steps, but you're making no progress. Um, I walked in on my son the other day. I have three children. Um, None of them pay rent. Um, And my son was literally, he was punching my computer screen. And he just was frustrated. I walked in. I said, son, what are you doing? And he's punching. He goes, "It, it won't work. And I realized, I said, son, that's not an iPad. All he's ever known is an iPad. I said, there's actually a little mouse right there. It's still a computer and it still works. He was about to give up, not understanding that something had changed here. Sometimes when you pray, it's not so much about what you say, it's who you're saying it to. God loves people. God wants to help. And if I could encourage you to do one thing on your way out of here, pray. And I'm not talking about getting on your knees, being a fancy religious person. The number one heard word in heaven would be this, help. In Greek, help means help. In Hebrew, help means help. So if there's anybody in here who has ever needed help and you feel lost and you feel discouraged, doctors are great. A new diet will change your day, but praying to the king of heaven and earth will change your soul. God bless you. I have a Carl Lenz, uh, just, Lenz. And I know your friend, Lenz. Yes. NTZ. Maybe it is a Carl Lenz lens that I have right now. Lenz lens. I believe that his haircut is going to change drastically this year. I don't think it's out of date. I just have a feeling he's going to change it. I think so too, because when we were hanging out a few weeks ago, I could see him eyeing my fade and he was like, I like your fade. I like, you can tell he's thinking he, about haircuts right now. Yeah, because he. Do you got, think he could convert your atheist barber? <laughs> oh, he should. Oh, for ready. sure. I give him four minutes with Ricky, and Ricky's coming home to Jesus. Like he will be baptized yeah. that night. That night, yeah. literally. I, I agree with you. I think he's going to yeah. shake it up. Yeah. The I, problem I is the new haircut. This is terrible. Uh, Joel Houston has has the new haircut. Justin Bieber's doing the mm-hmm. new haircut. It's it's the chip gains. Mm-hmm. It's the little I need a haircut, shaggy kind of little short bangs hanging on the top. Right mm-hmm. Yeah, the the chip gains from no no. Chip I and think Carl Lentz will, Lentz will do his own thing. Yeah yeah, he's not going to do the chip yeah. gains, but I'm no. saying the chip gains yeah. is becoming the hipster mm-hmm. cut. Do not yeah. conform any longer <laughs> to the pattern of this world. If you right. transform by the renewing of your haircut. <laughs> <laughs> well, in case you missed it, a street artist created a giant statue of Kanye West oh as gosh. Jesus in LA. Uh, the artist goes by the name Plastic Jesus. He erected the piece on Hollywood Boulevard. Uh, the statue looks like it's made of gold and shows Kanye in the <laughs> pose of the crucifixion with nails in his hands and a crown of thorns on his head. Um, the artist said that the meaning of the piece called False Idol, so the, the name mm-hmm. underneath it said False Idol, uh, is meant to be commentary on pop culture's worship of flawed human celebrities. Yeah. Uh, this is what he said to the Hollywood Reporter. Uh, Kanye West is a genius at writing and producing, but he's not a god, and that's where we put him. Until there's an issue in his life or a hiccup in his career, then we crucify him. Uh, we've seen it before with people like Britney Spears or Lindsay Lohan. The same people who put him into a godlike place are the same yapping at his heels for a piece of flesh when something happens. By all means, treat and respect these people are uh, uh, these people are artists, but don't make them into gods because we crucify our gods. 
There you go. Mic drop. Provocative piece. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I get it. <laughs> we got it. It's a little on the nose, right? Yeah, celebrity culture. Kind. Of, we got Same. it. Same. I think the, you, there's no need to look at it more than once. Like you see the picture and you're like, well, I'll okay. say this. I posted it on yeah, Facebook. And I was very nervous about the feedback because it's Kanye West as a big golden Jesus. Why do you Jesus. read the Facebook feedback, hey, man? That's my favorite part. <laughs> well, 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 I read it and people were like, okay, now that I'm reading his thoughts on it, I actually get that. Like, I actually, you know, understand, you know, like it's an inter- it's a interesting and valid point he's making in a provocative way. Uh, in case you missed it, Octavia Spencer went on Good Morning America to explain why her casting as God isn't really that controversial. She stars in The Shack and plays God the Father or manifestation of God the Father or whatever. Uh, it's a metaphor. The Shack uh, is obviously the film off the, the controversial best-selling book, which tells the story of a grieving father who meets the members of the Trinity after the loss of his daughter. Um, here's a clip of her explaining the, uh, why she plays God. I, I play God because when he was a little boy, the only person that showed him kindness was a woman who looked like me. Mm-hmm. So uh, God reveals himself in a way and a manner that he could receive. And thank you for saying it like that, because you know, whenever a movie like this is done, people bow up a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, uh, religious figures, and saying, wait a minute, what? you playing God? And it's like <laughs> how that person perceives and, right. and, and how it's represented to them. Right. And that comes through in the film. And, and also, it, he, we explain that in the film, right. but um, it's still all of those principles that I grew up on with, with, with you know, Christianity. And what, what really challenged me, Octavia, when I was watching it is it was... Some of the questions that I've asked myself, you know, I've gone through some illnesses, some loss, mm-hmm. and I'm a very spiritual person. And it's like, where is he? Where is mm-hmm. he? And he is there. And in an interesting casting choice, uh, Octavia Spencer is hosting SNL this weekend. I can't wait. I think she's going to be awesome. I think so, too. Like, yeah, I agree. She's clearly got incredible acting chops yeah. and a ton of personality. But I bet there's like there's a there's a comedic side to her mm, yeah. that I think she's going to just go nuts. I think it's going to oh, be Oh, totally. Awful. I agree. I wonder if they'll, hmm, I'm not going to do my SNL predictions, but she'll be interested. You to watch. do SNL predictions? Do you like write them down and put them in like a hope chest <laughs> or something? Like, and what does an SNL prediction even look like? Right? Like you're trying to guess jokes? Yes. <laughs> I guess. So do you write them down? No, no, no. It's just me sitting there. So I'm watching. So it's not like so a dream I, journal I, or anything. I turn it on, you know, we I get everything closed up in the house. It's sort of like, you know, the moment. But, but, you're Cameron, I will say this. When mm-hmm. Eddie does watch SNL, he hangs dream catchers all over the house for well, reasons that are unclear. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so you're watching the last couple minutes of SNL. You know, they do a recap of local news and weather real quick. I don't watch mm-hmm. the whole news, but you see the very end. I see you in the magic game. You know? <laughs> are you serious? Yeah. Free time. I've I've never seen it. I I've never. I mean, watch, I'm there. I don't watch know. the West Two. Are you serious? They, yeah, oh, when see. they do the recap of the game, it's like there you are. So I see, see you. Then we're on a A wrap up for the weather. Flailing in his arms. Got a nice day tomorrow. Make sure you bring your jackets for sending kids out to school. Uh, I guess it wouldn't be. Bring it's your Saturday jackets. And then SNL. And by that time, I've already guessed what what the cold open's going to be, and how they're going to, you know, do the uh, do the uh, monologue. Do you guess it? Yes. I used to tweet with my friend who was on the news and we would tweet all the people on the news together and I'll guess all the so, NBC so, so news like, people. But, but how detailed are you saying? Because like, I mean, so, so you'll say, uh, I guess the, the opening monologue tonight will have like him playing guitar or something. Is that no, what you're no, saying? No. I'm saying no. The, well, with the cold open, I try to guess the whole thing. Who's doing it? What they're talking about? Well, what's you know who's doing storm? it. Well, and it's been very easy lately. It's like, right. is it Donald Trump or is it Putin? 
you know, yeah. Um, yeah. And then the monologue, it's like, are they going to do the thing where they take questions from the audience? They're going to do the walking through with the song. How do they, cause you got to think about what can that person handle? Mm. Right. Right. And yeah. so immediately if they're, if you're like, okay, they're not a very good actor. They're probably yeah, gonna, like when they have an athlete host, or they're going to take questions yeah. Yeah. because immediately uh, they, right. they just need to they bring in attention. Right. And they <laughs> haven't done it in a while, but sometimes they break format. Octavia Spencer. She's going to be interesting. Because the question we don't know is, can she sing? Right, musical number. If she can mm-hmm. sing, I could see her hmm. completely tearing the place down. That's like, like in a fit of rage? <laughs> Either way. In, in whatever way I she... Hope so. in, in whatever I would, I would like to see that. That's I, Every week I predict, I predict the host is going to literally tear the set... Uh, you know, p- piece by piece on live TV. I'm never doing Adele right. and start her monologue. Yeah. Over. <laughs> SNL is mainly a game. Have I, we ever seen that? Uh, has anybody live on SNL like started something over? I've never seen that happen. I've never seen that. Oh, uh, well, me, me, uh, what's that girl? Ashley. Uh, what was the girl's name? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ashley Simpson. She kind of started over. She <laughs> well, no, just, she just kind of uh, started doing yeah. a weird like just dance out. and dance just the way. like shut it down. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But yeah. like nobody Adele in 35 years of skits of monologues huh. of whatever. Nobody's ever Adele. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. No. I, yeah, I mean there is there's been uh, uh, sketches that break apart. Oh, of course, yeah. you know, but 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 they never they never throw in the white flag. They always see it through. Yeah, yeah, they don't ever direct from up there. Right. They just go, we're going to do this. They just, they just power fall through. apart, and then all of a sudden... And then they, they tear the set down. <laughs> but but the, the best is not when one like totally falls apart, but when something very subtle, like a set piece breaks or something, or like <laughs> a, a fake mustache is <laughs> falling off, the and they're trying to hold it on. That's yeah. always the best, because that's uh-huh. when you see, like, okay, h- how easy is it to shake this person off their game, you know? Yeah. I yeah. feel like that's the entirety of Jimmy Fallon's time on SNL. Yeah. It's just him breaking characters. Well, you know, the the, the one that I've noticed uh, bre- breaking pretty consistently is that closing closing moments of the bar. They play this like w- way late in the yeah. in the episode, and it's always um, the the funny Kate McKinnon. There you go, Kate McKinnon, and she's always like some really terrible person. You know, like mm-hmm. gross. it's clearly the last and two people at a really bad bar, really yeah. bad bar. Yeah. And then Keenan is always the bartender, right. and they are always doing gross things. And he's when they cut back to him, he's laughing half the time. I mean, we're trying to that's really so suppress funny. the laugh. Yeah, like that's like that always gets him. And I think it's because Kate probably does stuff that they didn't rehearse and mm-hmm. like to get him. I think, yeah. Well, it's almost like the Stefan bit. Like you find out later <laughs> that they would be feeding Bill he Hader never knew lines what he was say. live yeah, right. for the first time, and so that's right. why he would crack up at yeah, himself. No, and he's reading a line ahead as he's saying what was, and so he's realizing what he's about to have to say. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! The most recent funny one that got me laughing was it was a few months ago. Ryan Gosling was the host, and Kate McKinnon. They were doing that. They've done it like three times the now, where one? someone's like abducted. You oh, know, like yeah. three people are either like abducted by aliens or like Santa. <laughs> And his elves and they, two of them have like this magical experience and one of them has like just straight out of a nightmare and it's Kate McKenna yeah, and yeah. you see Ryan Gosling literally crying laughing trying to get through his lines my thing is like with that skit like they did a dress rehearsal a full dress they not only yeah, did rehearsals yeah. throughout the week right. they did a full dress rehearsal with an audience they know what's coming so yeah. like why are you cracking up because like if I'm hearing a joke for the fifth time I'm not laughing at it I, but I think talk she, about it okay they in dress they give it just enough uh-huh. to be totally camera ready in case they have to cut to the show in an emergency. Yeah. The crowd laughs, but they also know they can only do it one time great. Mm-hmm. Right. So they do... They'll hold back. 
it's very scripted on I know, okay i figured that they were doing stuff live for the first time to kind of break each other you know because yeah. everybody knows that that tension is what's so funny right mm-hmm. it's that it's that last five percent i think that's what Kate yeah. mckinnon is probably the best at is doing oh, yeah. a great performance and then during the show she goes off the rails yeah, yeah. yeah. she tears it down she literally literally yeah. burns she, down she, snl yeah. it is quite inexpensive well lastly in case you missed it ellen pulled off a real life scott's tots moment with a much happier <laughs> ending My Mr. Guys, Scott. I don't usually get misty-eyed watching YouTube clips of stuff that was on TV. This one, this one got me, guys. This was <laughs> because I feel like I feel like ever since the Scott's Tots episode, just for context, oh. if anyone hadn't seen it, which I don't know how you haven't at this point, go watch it on Netflix. Can't it's a, it. arguably the office's most painful moment where <laughs> Michael Scott, a decades earlier, had promised a a high school or at that time an elementary Second school graders, class yeah. mm-hmm. that that he would one day when they get ready to graduate college, you know, pay for all of them to have college scholarship because in his mind, he would be a super successful business guy at that point. He has to go and tell them that all he has is a gym bag full of lithium batteries for laptops. He hasn't even purchased them. <laughs> And it leaves you in such tension, like all these years since that episode is aired. It's like, I just want to see that happen in real life because this was so painful and, and, and awkward and borderline not funny that I, we have to have some moment of relief from this. Well, Ellen uh, interviewed teachers and students from Brooklyn's Summit Academy Charter School, many of whom uh, have overcome heartbreaking real-life obstacles, and, and they all dream of going to college. In her show's biggest giveaway ever, she partnered with Walmart to give uh, the entire senior class full four-year scholarships. Here's a clip. And what college, uh, it would mean what to you exactly? I know it means everything because it's, you're, you're the first in the family, but... Well, um, yeah, so... College, college, college means the world to me as well. It's like college is like the goal that I had my entire life, and now it's going to happen. It's going to happen, and I think summit for that. Yeah, and Malik, college is it's more realistic, and it's no longer just an option. It's like it's mandatory. Something that I'm going right. to do. Yep, that's right. All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back more uh, with the summit group. After this, we're back with Cheryl and Natasha and the senior class of Summit Academy. Tell me uh, what it means uh, for you to, to motivate these kids every single day. Well, I've got to tell you, Ellen, um, I, when I think about college, I think about when I graduated from college and I took my diploma home. Uh, I went to the University of Virginia, Wahoo, and um, my grandfather opened that diploma up and he had tears in his eyes and he said to me, that with this piece of paper, you can do anything. And I want that for these kids, because they deserve it. They do deserve it. They do deserve it. I was, I was, I was telling uh, Cheryl during the break, it's, it's important for everyone out there to hear this story because a lot of us are really fortunate and we, are, we take for granted how uh, easy our life is and to go to the school we want to go to and to do the easiest things. And these kids have overcome all kinds of things and they go to school every single day and they work hard every single day and all they want to do is go to college and they deserve that. So the last time you were here, we gave you a, a check from Walmart wanted to give you uh, $25,000. And uh, I wanted to do something even bigger. And we've done something that uh, we've never, never done anything this big before. We re- reached out to the people at Walmart, and uh, they want to give each one of you a four-year scholarship. <laughs> 
goosebumps. That's Here crazy. Crying. That's oh. crazy. <laughs> it really, it really was. It was. It, like I said, I've been living in like a tension. With I sometimes like I'll go back and watch the Office, you know, like just burn through it. When I get to, I skip Scott's thoughts. I cannot take it. <laughs> really, I cannot take Scott's. I can't thoughts. take Scott's thoughts either. I love it. I, when it aired the first time, I watched half the show on mute because I couldn't handle. <laughs> what it's he was the only to say. one, man. It's I, the only I, one. I think, and I'm sorry about the just incredibly crude relationship that I'm about to put together here. But like, you have to watch Scott's thoughts to appreciate the rest to the office because it just makes it all make sense what an awful it's like manchester by the sea like the worst scene in the middle and the the entire world is in the middle of the movie but Mm -hmm. if you didn't watch that none of the rest of the movie would really work for you i watched it i know what happens i just don't want to read i just don't want to experience it again (laughs) i know that i literally tell myself those children are actors these are actors this are reading a a script this is not happening like and i try to like get through that way i still can't handle scott's thoughts when you hear them singing in the other room hey mr scott what you gonna do what you gonna do to make our dreams come true i'm like you have to turn around you have to the office like cross the line like what is the literally the most painful thing you could put him through and like help him per- perpetuate what and they figured it out at, it's, it's too yeah. agonizing to watch as comedy it's too much oh man oh man well there you go that'll do it for in case you missed it stay tuned up next slices to Ten Fei. The song is Twist Your Arm. At the beginning of the podcast, you're gold trapped with any more. What? You're shaking your heads. Great, great stuff. This is often a yes for me. Oh. If I'm shaking my head, I'm just like, mm. gold trapped <laughs> anymore. There you go. Okay, it's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right. Well, I'm going to present a news story that I have very, very mixed feelings about. And I think something, I think something's amiss here. And I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what the news story is, and I'm gonna tell you my theory behind this. Um, it's very. Just, I was thinking about this a lot last night. A team of scientists at Harvard are working on a project that they call a de-extinction project. What they plan on doing is bringing the woolly mammoth back to life, Jurassic Park style. Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> they say here's just the thing. They say elephants. that they have the technology to pull this off in like two years. So this isn't like oh, in you know 2050 we're going to have another woolly mammoth. They're saying like within the next two years we could have another woolly mammoth. So woolly mammoths have been extinct for like four thousand mm-hmm. years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so what they're going to do is they're going to splice DNA that they have from you know amber and like woolly mammoth bones with a modern day <laughs> elephant and it technically would be a hybrid called a mammophant which is a super lame name for an animal it's hard to say we have two years to work on that so. yeah. we need to workshop that like, I think we should workshop that I'm a little better yes, yes, yeah. 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 let's hope by then they, they, they get a better name um, but they said you know it'll look basically like the woolly mammoth it'll have the long hair it'll have the big uh, tusk it'll be you know like cold blooded or whatever or you know can adapt what? To, just kind of 
mean, just cold blooded. Yeah, it's gonna yeah, just, ice cold, just man. Kind of a jerk. Just, just kind of ornery. <laughs> so they're gonna so they're gonna bring it back. So basically, wait, wait, it's why did you say cold blooded? Woolly mammoths were mammals. They weren't cold blooded. No, no. Uh, I'm sorry. Their their, their blood will be ad- be able to adapt to like super cold weather. Uh, oh, okay. That's different than cold blooded, yeah. but no, but they're okay. gonna be cold blooded too. They're really mean. They're giving you know, really yeah, they're, they're putting they're putting a little tiny but, bit like, of snake I'll say in this, there too. These woolly mammoths, they like the Scott Stott episode. Yeah, <laughs> they're the worst. I'm talking cold yeah. blooded. Yeah, they all watch Manchester by the Sea just for the fun of it. Someday you guys are gonna see that movie and realize what a good joke that was. I saw yeah. it. Yeah, well, wasn't it the saddest thing you've ever seen? I literally, I on a Friday night, two. Well, I, I went on iTunes and bought as, got as many of the Oscar movies as I could. Just to like, yeah, you know, that were available. And so I, that was the first one I watched. I was alone on a Friday night watching it. It was the saddest, saddest <sighs> movie. That scene between Casey Affleck and Michelle Williams. Oh. When when they reunite and they're oh. talking, I, I could not handle that. Oh, it was I really, so I sad. I think we're really wrecking Jesse's slice. No, I'm just yeah. telling you. <laughs> but this is how, no, you, you underscore my point because they thought that movie was a comedy. They thought it was just like a dry, dry comedy. Cold-blooded. Yeah, yeah cold-blooded. So, uh, so anyway, obviously there are some people in the zoological field that feel like, you know, this could be crossing some ethical lines. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, you know, Know, that's a valid they, they say well, well you know what are you going to do with these woolly mammoths because they're like social creatures and they're super smart and they can't hang out with elephants you know because they're woolly mammoths so what are you going to do i get the ethical concerns i think there's something else afoot here <laughs> that i'd like to break down well, nope, something's not nobody's stopping you you're telling me that scientists right now have the project to bring back an animal that is 4,000 years old, that's been gone for 4,000 years, yeah. right? Yeah. Is that and an accurate date? Hover- You're saying it with confidence. Is that the right timeline? Doesn't feel right. It feels a little soon. I'm going to Google it, but I'm pretty sure I, I read it the I'm other gonna day. Go, I'm going to go 100,000. Yeah, I, I'm pretty confident. Either way, it's thousands of years uh, uh, either way. Right, so but, um, here we go. He, here, um, <laughs> It's a four hundred thousand years. That feels better. Some people say four thousand. Well, I mean, yeah. Nineteen seventy-two was the last known spotting <laughs> of a woolly mammoth. No uh, update. Uh, isolated populations of the woolly mammoth uh, existed, survived on Saint Paul Island until fifty-six hundred years ago, and on Wrangell Island until four thousand years ago. Whoa. Good job, man. We're sorry go. we doubted there you. Go. No, that's that's fine. Either way, it's an Although impressive feat. I did feat read by that on Wikipedia, and that figure was just edited thirty six seconds ago. So I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was updated by Virginia Beardman four. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, here's here's my thing, guys. You're telling me that scientists ha- have the technology and the ability to bring back a, a, an animal that has been extinct for like thousands of Get years. Get to it. What right? animal do you want? <laughs> Well, 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 one, here's my, here's my overall point. You bring it up. You bring it up. Exactly. I think this is a tease. I think they are teasing us right now. I think they have, they want us to let, they want to let us know that they're capable of such cool stuff that we're just not, and we're only scratching the surface. Like it's not available to us. I feel like this is a big tease. First off, if you're going to bring back, they're like, Hey, let's bring back an old animal. So let's pick the di- one of the, the dinosaurs that is nobody's favorite. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> thought the woolly mammoth was the coolest. I'm not saying bring back T-Rex, but Triceratops, maybe, right. maybe a brontosaurus, something no cool. No one cares about the woolly mammoth. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a shaggy haired elephant. Who cares? Not that, you know, but the point is that they can do it. So you're telling me that they can bring back a, a, a prehistoric animal 
and the coolest invention we had that they've given to consumers in like the last five years is like a speaker that can talk to us, right? <laughs> like the cool, the biggest breakthrough we've had is Surrey, and she's wrong Surrey. like eighty percent of the Surrey time. S U R R E Surrey. Whatever. She for some reason she can't understand the words I'm pronouncing, Eddie. We don't have. I watched that. I watched that. Show, it's a show abstract on Netflix, and they were talking about uh, how Nike, uh, you know, had all the, put all this work into self tying shoes or whatever. And I'm like, right. dude, we're bringing back a woolly mammoth. You can't even figure out how to get shoes. It took you decades to get a shoe to tie by itself. Something's not adding up here, guys. <laughs> There's a whole realm of science that they're just withholding to from us because they don't want us to have cool stuff. There's no hoverboards. I'm not even ask for, I'm not even asking for like flying cars. I, I know not to ask for that. But I'm just saying, <laughs> why can they do something cool like bring back a woolly mammoth and we don't have we don't even have the minority report gloves? Someone explain that to me. <laughs> I feel like we just all got quiet and just watched this whole thing yeah, unfold. I, like, if you were writing in your dream journal, were you predicting where this was going to go? And, I just and, knew yeah. exactly. Jesse yeah. had a lot of feelings yeah. about things that haven't been invented. He was that preaching from yeah. his toes just from then. his toes. Yeah. But are you guys not with me? What What the heck? You can bring back a woolly mammoth and we don't have anything cool? Like, we don't, like... I, oh, I, think, I mean, like, I think, 10 years ago, if you're like, hey, you're not going to believe it, you can touch a cell phone and it's going to work. Okay, cool. Well, <laughs> I might have a rocket pack because I'm not that impressed is yeah, what I'm I saying. I think Willie Ma- Mammoth is our least, uh, I, I think it's pretty low on the priority list. You know what I'm <laughs> exactly. saying? Like, like who's, who's giving these Harvard scientists orders? Because, like but, I said, they didn't even pick a very cool animal. But to there is back. a legitimate question. They're not small things. Where are you going to put them? I mean, and they need to be in the super cold. So you can just drop them off in Antarctica and just like they're going to be in a lab. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, how do you like what are their what's the end game here? I mean, is it are they doing it just because they can? And why don't they work on something that people actually want Want? and have asked for? (laughs) I've got to say, though, like I, I just imagined it for a second, like actually being able to see this thing. Yeah, that I feel real terror and seeing that. like it feels very. Well, its eyes are dead. That's it's, the thing. It's, it's like, like it, looks at, it looks you in the eye with these dead eyes because it has no soul because it was created in a lab. I don't know what it is, but there is something that feels really terrifying She's about that. She's hunting for sport. It's a dinosaur. Because yeah. <laughs> it's a dinosaur. I don't really want to see. Like you know, it's always a possibility. And, and then we don't know yeah. what its primary food was. What if it like has a taste for human? Why, you know. And why would they? Hmm. Why would they pair it with an elephant? Why don't they pair it with like just like a Saint Bernard and just do like a <laughs> oh, yeah, baby mammoth? We knew we could. Yeah, we knew you could do it. It, but it's not gonna yeah it's not generally gonna do so anything. you're like shetland ponies like right. little little miniature versions of you, the big things you can put it in a kennel you can keep yeah. it in just kind of a, like an enclosed area it's so then if it goes berserk right if it wants to tear tear the tear the set down yeah you then, just you need to put its like little collar back on it yeah. and generally like lead yeah. it back to its home instead of Eddie, it you, literally you're, you're, destroying. Under, you're underscoring my point here man it's not just about cool inventions that we were promised but we don't have it's about right. like w- if you're gonna do is go off the rails and do something that's wildly unethical right. like make a mammoth right w- why stop there like right. why because no one asked for that no right. one no one we never watched could you imagine how lame Jurassic Park would be if they went to an island just full of woolly mammoths that's <laughs> yeah. a super lame movie. that right? is a great point they're like, like oh yeah it's like basically an elephant I mean like I, I know it's got hair but it's so basically you, a thing I know Jesse, are I'm you just saying, saying why, you did, why did they why did they choose that and why not something cool that people want they're just teasing us right. with their powers with their science could, powers right if they can do that and from what I understand from science they could take like T-Rex stuff right. and cut it into a, a alligator, alligator. Yeah. you got yourself a, another T-Rex right 
right? right. Yeah. If that's what science so, works, right. how that science works. We don't want a T-Rex running around. But this is know, a the slippery slope. Well, maybe that's how you solve the woolly mammoth problem mm-hmm. is you get a couple of T-Rexes. <laughs> right. And the people problem. Right. <laughs> they don't know what to do with T-Rex. All of a sudden, we're creating new animals <laughs> to and then so you eat know. the other one. We create a new food chain. Now we got a yeah. real problem. And I'm not even, at, like, that's the thing. Like, obviously that's where this is going, but I didn't ask for this. I asked for cool minority report gloves. I right. asked for like magnet shoes. Mag- is magnet shoes too We're trying much our best to take this toward a substantive bioethics conversation of what is life and what is God's mm. intent and what is a soul. Right. What, you know, all these, and Jesse keeps harping on minority report gloves right. and jetpacks. Right. I feel like it's the question no one's asking. <laughs> You're right. It is the question no one is asking. You fall right into their hands. They want you to get in this endless debate. There's no answers for. It just seems like a weird. Uh, that's the other thing too. Like I, I get the point. Like it, 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 there's a lot. It raises a lot of ethical questions. But it just raises. Like it seems like there's so many problems in the world that they could be solving. And it's just like guys would be like, hey, you know, it'd be really cool, man. If we brought back a, a woolly mammoth like a freaking woolly mammoth like an elephant with hair let's do this thing let's commit years to this when there's like a lot of other i'm just wondering why that's where they chose to start it just doesn't it's just an add up to me that's the thing yeah why didn't they start with smaller extinct creatures bring back the dodo bird you got plenty of bird (laughs) opportunities you know out there why don't they make a little chimpanzee that never gets beyond the cute baby chimpanzee diaper face that you can always keep as a pet Yeah, one dress the, up and dress him up as like a policeman. Right, because <laughs> that's one of the big chimpanzee problems. Some of the chimps, yeah, yeah, is when they get too big, they can hurt you, yeah. and so you got to always be buying new baby chimpanzees. I, that's the thing. I want, I want a baby. I want a chimp that's always the size that if I put him in a Sherlock Holmes outfit and give him a little magnifying glass, I know there's no danger of him falling. <laughs> I mean, why, why is science think of that? You know, why didn't science think of that? Like right. of breeding things just smaller. <laughs> yeah. Just generally, like little animals, so you can always play so with like them. Hurt you. And more, more, more cooperative yeah. when I put that little Sherlock Holmes trench coat on him for my calendar I'm making. Yeah, not so cold blooded. You want to? Yeah, you want exactly. I want him to get more into this, thing. baby chimp. Yeah. All right. What do you have, Chelsea? Um, I have great news for people who play Candy Crush on their phone, maybe while they're trying to fall asleep, because people who live without screens don't sleep any better than people who do. Oh, really? Yes. Interesting. Oh, it's a big screen. Mm-hmm. Always told us, like, mm-hmm. oh, wait, what was it? Big phone? <laughs> Somebody big mm-hmm. always would tell us that we were bad people for playing Candy Crush when we should be going nighty night. Uh-huh. Right. You're wide awake. Uh huh. Um, well, this article says sleep experts are quick to blame bright TVs or smartphones as the reason why nearly one third of U.S. adults don't clock in enough sleep hours. But a new study that was published by the Human Biology this month suggests that even without distractions from artificial light sources and other modern modern technology, human sleep patterns can still be far from ideal. A group of researchers from Duke, mostly, uh, tracked sleep patterns from people living in Madagascar, the U.S., and Italy, and they all had similar sleep patterns. Pause. How in the world? Do you think there was just somebody that was like, yeah, I got family in Madagascar? <laughs> we can just go Let's check it out. Let's just choose that, because we 
we can get down there and we can crash with my uncle. Yeah, so we got that one. Or they just watched the animated movie and reverse engineered how long people were sleeping. <laughs> Great question. The, That's yeah. probably it. You have a good radio voice. No, I was going to say, you. I am proud of you. This is the best delivered slice you've had yet. You have nice. a, like, but you have a nice tone to your voice. I know. Voice. I was like, did you catch that? I was enthralled with the <laughs> content. And, and, and did you catch her setup too? Yeah. It was like, you know, nice. you don't have to feel guilty for a reason. It was, it was, it was, it was a great, it was a well-fashioned lead there, Chelsea. It's great. Um, wow. I don't know if I should continue or if we should just end it on a high note. Yeah. I will say I did go running this morning. So uh, I think congratulations. I'm starting my day, pumping my blood. Yeah. Did, did you, did you like hide your cell phone last night and get a really good night's sleep? Is that part, <laughs> part of this too? I was on my phone until my eyes drooped. You know, it's weird. I just got back on vacation from Miss Madagascar. I feel <laughs> totally refreshed. This is the best. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, apparently data shows that villages had m- worse sleep cycles than people in the U.S., like remote villages who'd have very little to no screen time. I never yeah. agreed with this, the, these judgy reports anyway about like, <laughs> you know, like so yeah, I got a digital clock in my room, so I'm throwing off my circadian rhythm. It's like, yeah. oh, look, look who's wrong now. I yeah. can I can look at Facebook all night if I want. Science. Yeah, no, peace out. You focus on your you focus on your bringing back the woolly mammoth. No one wanted. I'll worry about my sleep pattern. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Oh, cool. A gigantic. You added- know, all scientists aren't the same, right? They're not all no. like choosing no. to either do sleep studies no, or this- woolly mammoth research. You know, no. they have different specialties. Some of them are. Some of them are. Some of them <laughs> made the decision. And they made. Our, this was Cameron our president's moonshot was to create a woolly mammoth and mission accomplished. So this is the JFK uh, moment right. for for the new administration. <laughs> right. Is by the end of two years we Vice want president a woolly Biden. mammoth. Yes, Vice yeah. President Biden was going to cure cancer, and we now we got a woolly mammoth. There you go. So, I feel like there's a would that be if you were president if Fake you just news. decreed just decreed something publicly so scientists then had to work on it you know like yeah. maybe that's maybe that's what happened maybe they know Trump's just super heavy into mammoths you know. Hmm. Maybe them. this is trying to distract like I said, us something, something. Something's not adding up here. <laughs> speaking of, speaking of the, the moonshot, JFK, <laughs> did you see this week that Elon Musk announced that uh, two tourists yeah. are going to be hired SpaceX to mm-hmm. go fly around the moon yeah. by next year? Like just wow. two people. Send them yeah. there and back. Got to be. Elon Musk has got to be one of them, right? No, Isn't no, no, that no. why he's no, doing all no, this? No, no, they were no. approached. He hasn't released the name of who it was, but he said they're not Hollywood people. Mm-hmm. But they play. They put down a substantial amount of money. The Falcon, the Falcon rocket ship that has to be used to go that far hasn't even been flown yet. They're doing the first launch this summer. It costs ninety million dollars just for the rocket ship. So think about how much for a week long trip up and around the moon and back again, and it'll be all automated. Like so, the the it's just literally space tourists. These are civilian tourists that will be riding in an automated capsule. They won't do anything, and they're going to be sitting there for a week looking out the window, and then it'll come back and land itself. And, wow. and all of this is going to be by the end of next year. Mm-hmm. That's crazy yeah, to that's me. Wild. Lance it Bass is, crazy. is one of them. Think it's Lance Bass? I think so. Didn't he want to go to space? Yeah, he, he I was in the space program. I don't think Backstreet Boy money is that, that substantial. In sync, but that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it runs your band. Yeah. <laughs> I've said it before, though. I said it before. That just doesn't sound that. I mean, I think it's cool from like a te- the, the the capability is cool that you can send civilians around the moon. I get that. Like, I'm not I'm not disparaging their innovation. I'm just saying it doesn't sound. If I had all the money in the world, that's not what I'd spend it on. It'd be really like, funny. It's funny if all of a sudden, like 
It's just like, hey, Science Mike isn't returning his texts. <laughs> Weird, I haven't heard from that guy. You know, publishing money is pretty robust these days. Yeah, you he's know, so. in space. Yeah. He leveraged it all. $90 million. Right, that's it. crazy? And yeah, he hasn't said how much it's going to cost or who it is or whatever. That'll come later. But he announced it this week on an investor call. So it's like mm. a real yeah. thing. But it'd be also yeah. funny if he's like, you know what? We're actually going to give it to him for free. And they're like, why? He's like, well, <laughs> I mean, it is two people going in space rockets. What? It's so dangerous. I'm afraid they'll die. Oh. <laughs> well, he said when, when they're, is, they're fully aware of the risk and everything. I mean, like... Uh, it, yeah, no kidding. I mean, they're, but this is just what they want to do. I want to know first, more about these people. I know, right? Yeah. They're my heroes. I mean, I love people like Richard Branson and people like... They, they just want to be pioneers. They yeah. want to be on the well, first ask, space tourists. Like you're kind of Neil Armstrong-ish. It, right, that's what I'm saying. Like, gonna be in history, yeah, I, I think that's what they kind of want and they have the resources to do it. So. Yeah, see, I'm sorry. I interrupted like w- 10 times. W- w- when, is, when is the Virgin Galactic? Because they had some setbacks, but their their goal is basically to do the same thing, like send people into, not all the way to the mo- around the moon, no, but no, they no, want to send people into at least outside the atmosphere, right? Low orbit, yeah. So it's, that's mm-hmm. totally different. This is, I mean, so SpaceX is more primarily looking at long-haul space exploration. So, like, they, they want to go to Mars within seven years. They, you know, that kind of stuff. They're, yeah. they're in that's it. Insane. So they're, they're going to be doing a lot of, like, taking astronauts up to the space station, a lot of long-haul stuff. Galactic, uh, Virgin Galactic is more doing this kind of spacey-looking airplane that's going to go up above, right above the atmosphere. You can kind of look down and see the blue orb a little bit and then you'll come back down yeah so it's more like all pretty cool amazing it'll be a few hours and it's going to cost you a a quarter million dollars versus 90 million dollars you know but it's yeah so two hundred fifty thousand dollars you can go up technically into space but it's not like you're orbiting earth or anything like that (laughs) we are the first generation just hypothetically which one would you rather do like a week-long risky journey around the moon to go down history or just experience like space this is literally no cost like no that's not yeah yeah, yeah, exactly you can just choose one or the other and be taken care of i I, i'm like if you're gonna go big or go home i'd go around the moon no question I wouldn't. Hmm. We are the. F- <laughs> yeah, you and my son are the same. He has no interest in going. Yeah. I'm like, you could go to space, literally in you your lifetime. Could, yeah, costs will come down, buddy. When you're in my age, like you and your kids could go out into space. It will for be the, the afternoon. New Iceland. People and, will be like, oh, I'm just going to the moon. Yeah, and like he's like, nah. I'm like, <laughs> I had scrapbooks about space in fourth grade. Like I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I was a space nerd when I was a kid. But That's whatever. Great. Yeah. I, guess the, I guess the other thing is like the moon just doesn't really appeal to me. Like, oh, cool, the moon. What's up there? You know, there's like rocks and. Uh, I want to see <laughs> I, that moon, view. Moon stuff. You've seen the picture of it yeah. of Earth cresting over the horizon of the moon. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. and uh, that, that just to see that with your own eyes. Can you imagine? That'd be amazing. Can't imagine. That's God's insane. wonder, It'd the be creation. Out of this world. And, and, and this week is another big week in space <laughs> news. I I, that should be my beat now. Uh, they discovered seven <laughs> Earth-sized planets only yeah. 40 light years yeah, away. No big deal. Crazy. And uh, it's probably the most <laughs> likely place that life would exist if, if we're looking like Earth-like life. Oh yeah, yeah. They're in the they're in the habitable zone of and, like yeah. the How other does, thing too. Uh, weird about those planets is like uh, you know some of them are like they don't like rotate like Earth. So part of them are like daytime. Like half of it's like daytime. All it's like the moon. Like half of it's daytime all the time, and half of it's mm-hmm. nighttime. So like you could like theoretically it would be it could have the same conditions for life like Earth, but the actual ground and, and atmosphere would be completely different because of just like the basics of the physics of how it rotates in its solar system. 
Right. They zoomed way in on that planet. Nothing but woolly, woolly mammoths. Just riddled with them. <laughs> yeah. And riddled with a bunch but of But it's an answer of what to do with them after huh. we make them down here. You just ship them off. Interesting that this flight is happening the same time they're trying to, quote, recreate the right. woolly mammoths. They're just weird. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> weird. I see what's happening. Okay. What do you have, Eddie? I'm, um, you know, if it's post Oscar and usually we're on the celebrity beat. And uh, so I have two quick celebrity stories. Both of them are kind of good news stories. Did you write these in your dream journal? Oh, they are. Yeah, I'm not even sure if they're actual <laughs> dreams or they're real stories. So uh, the first one is, uh, as we know, Bill Paxton died. Of course, oh, that's not yeah. the good news. But uh, in a very sweet tribute, Bill Paxton was in the movie Twister. We saw this movie. Great movie. Uh, okay. This is no disrespect to Bill Paxton. Yeah. Twister doesn't hold up. Twister doesn't hold up. That's why they uh, tore down the ride at Universal Studios. Yeah, because you're like, oh, oh, cool. We're shaking. I see. It's not that crazy. Look at no, it. Oh, it's a wind blower blowing yeah. on me as we sit here and, and kind of shake a little bit. And people come from other parts of the country who experience natural disasters to Orlando, Florida to be at an amusement park where they're then experiencing... <laughs> hey, yeah. here's a ride. Here's some weather. Yeah, here's like, some hey, guess weather. what? It's not funny. People die on these things all the time. Yeah, <laughs> And then a little cow went by like in the ride, remember? Right. That's the part of the movie Twister that I remember seeing it for the first time and like, how does cinema even work? I don't understand. <laughs> and now you see it and you can almost see the person's hand holding a cow making it float across. Well, the other thing, and maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but I remember, I think when I first saw it, I, I've only seen it like one time when I, whenever it came out, but do, don't they save themselves by using like a leather belt to yes. strap yeah, themselves yeah, to, to a telephone onto pole? a pipe. That's right. Yeah. There's, it, there's an unbelievable that, amount of that in that movie. Twister was for me, my peak Helen Hunt crush. That wow. was the peak Helen mm-hmm. Hunt. I, I was I loved uh, Mad About You. Yeah. And then she, mm-hmm. Twister. Yeah, Twister, and that was it. Did Twister ruin it? Because you're like, you're telling me that tornado is ripping a barn apart and flinging a cow, like, you know, around like the size of a football field, and a a leather belt from Sears, it will save the (laughs) day. Yeah, yeah, hold on to a well pipe. There's no way that's going to (laughs) work. Anyhow, so when he died, you know, there are always these... I've had belts break on my hips. I've had the power... (laughs) You're telling me... You're telling me the power of my hips are stronger than a tornado, than an F5, whatever that means? I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> so weather spotters all over the tornado areas of like Oklahoma, they got together and they coordinated this effort where they set all their GPS coordinates and they all got in certain locations and they turned on their tornado spotters and it spelled out on the map BP for Bill Paxton and they did it the day oh, he died. Cool. So I thought it was a very sweet tribute and, and was made me feel very nice. Of course, I did question. I'm like, all of a sudden, somebody doesn't understand Bill Paxton died and it's like, there's just tornadoes all over <laughs> They're freaking out. They're like, it's a shape of BP. This is end times. But generally, I think they understood what was going on. Uh, Somebody this, just really out of touch with with like their Hollywood news is what you're saying. Yeah, people are just <laughs> throwing their kids down in the <laughs> cellar trying to just, get the belt. Well, get the in, belt. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Get, our, get the leather vinyl belt. And the second hot celebrity story was uh, I really miss Tyler doing the celebrity beat. He did a much better job at this. But mm-hmm. my second celebrity story is that in San Francisco this week, two guys are playing tennis. It's just like a public park and someone walks by 
who uh, saw them playing tennis and she said, hey, can I join you? At which point they turned on Snapchat and Twitter and freaked out because it was Serena Williams. And Serena Williams then joins these two guys in a tennis match playing Uggs and gave them tennis lessons. And it was not like a publicity moment. She was just walking by this park with her fiance and saw these guys playing and apparently saw that they were either so good or so terrible. I think it's the latter that joined them, (laughs) gave them some lessons, took pictures with them, schooled them, and then all of a sudden just went back on her walk but like can you imagine like if she walked up i would say hey serve one app like give me a real don't joke around serve i'm gonna stand here and i'm gonna see i i predict that by the time i realize she's throwing the ball in the air it's already way past me like, yeah. do you think oh, yeah, you could yeah. possibly no. even have the reaction time never to hit her serve? i would run away no i no <laughs> couldn't no. do it <laughs> i i played i played uh church i was on the church softball team for one game last yeah. season mm-hmm. and uh we had a former major league player carlos pina yes. on our team oh yeah, yeah. Oh, and yeah. so we're playing softball and, and and the other team we were playing had a couple guys who played division one uh college baseball right and 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 the the speed at which Carlos and those other guys would swing the bat. Right. I mean, I couldn't fathom. And this was them kind oh, of just, just kind of playing a little softball. Lobbing it around. Yeah. And like, I mean, it's like, whap, whap. I mean, this thing, and he would kill that. I mean, crush that softball. It was like a home run. It was like, how, how? Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, professional athletes or really great athletes mm-hmm. are just the speed at which that she would be serving. You, you wouldn't even see the ball. I, I feel like if I was like a, a professional, like a retired professional athlete or even like a current one and that I had this like ability just to destroy people, I would go around but in disguise <laughs> all the time and right. just like go, go to pick up tennis games and just just, just, just blaze those 115 mile an hour serves to some average Joe down at the high school. Like, <laughs> I, and I would, ne- but the thing is I wouldn't offer lessons. I wouldn't even reveal to them that no. I was a pro. I would just destroy people just to get my confidence up. Like if it was lagging <laughs> <laughs> but I also think I, I mean I tried one time I played tennis with a friend and my friend was he was like ranked number 10 at George Washington University we're talking like he got to play in college but I remember I couldn't even process yeah. the ball and he's not like he couldn't play with Serena Williams right. like can you imagine arguably Mm-mm. maybe the greatest one of the greatest athletes of all time got, if, if not yeah. the she's got to yeah. be in yeah. the conversation I mean if you look at any, I mean, any measure any measure yeah. th- it's tough to say that there is a more successful athlete in history than Serena is there Williams. really any yeah. more yeah. successful athlete no, I don't than think her so. yeah. I, I, and the argument was being made in the last year when she won her most recent mm-hmm. major that like why isn't she given why isn't that she? credit and is, and is this sexism in the sports world and, and, and honestly by any measure Totally. Male or female, she would be the best athlete There's of just all time. Never been a more singularly dominant <laughs> right. force. I mean, for, even for, Michael Jordan, Jordan so longevity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even longevity Michael Jordan was thing. still surrounded by the other greatest players right. in that time, and he was able to be him because they were doing their jobs. Right. Mm-hmm. Even though he and you could dominated. argue that he would have be the, the greatest basketball player, but the fact mm-hmm. that this is an individual thing right. and the longevity of her mm-hmm. success yeah. is what's crazy. It's like if Tiger had not derailed off. and yeah. just continued for a can- like right. that's what she's doing it, is like, she did it. It, it yeah. was honestly like it would be like if Jordan won six more championships with the Wizards, you put him in the conversation <laughs> right. because right. that's basically what uh, Serena right. Williams is doing. Well, yeah, that, she's was a, be- that was a, a little bit of a twist and turn bringing uh, the celebrity news. Yeah, celebrity and a little bit of sports. I mean, I usually... Celebrity News! Celebrity News! Celebrity News Roundup! 
Man, I will take that. I'll take that mantle. (laughs) Did you guys see, there was a picture the other day of like a, it was in Canada. It was like a celebrity hockey game and Justin Bieber was playing, but they had like a, you know, a a former NHL player who was Canadian, like a lot of them. And at one point in the game, he checked uh, Justin Bieber up against the glass like during you know in play and Justin Bieber's face and someone was sitting like a spectator sitting on the uh, right on the other side of the glass and took a picture and Justin Bieber's face is literally like comically squished up with in like a position of agony right like like you would see in like a cartoon of like a bird flying into or a window or whatever and and you see the guy's like big broken tooth grin like I'm pinning Justin Bieber to the glass for all of Canada right now all right without doing precises stay Stay tuned. Up next, Sam Worthington joins us. You must be alone. You're listening to Sin Kane. This song is Telephone. What would a Sin Kane be? That's a bad stick. Oh, a Sin Kane. <laughs> a Sin Kane. He looks fancy with his monocle and his top hat, but Look that's out a for Sin that Kane if I've ever seen one. He's up to no good. He's got a Sin Kane. Uh, this week's feature interview is brought to you by Movement Watches. Uh, Movement MVMT was started by two broke college kids that wanted to wear stylish watches but couldn't afford them. Uh, and so they founded Movement on the belief that style shouldn't break the bank. The cool thing about movement and a big part of their story as like as a brand is that they really play up this DIY entrepreneurial aspect of their company awesome. of like they were just normal guys who had an idea and chased our dream and and it's actually like part of this kind of entrepreneurial movement in this generation that's so fun and awesome like it, it's a it's a big risk to go out there yeah. and start something yeah. and uh they did it and movement's making it and they're doing great watches you're wearing one right I'm now i'm wearing one i'm wearing the hollywood and they're really cool i i wear one Ooh. and i get compliments all they, literally all the time on it yeah, movement watches they're stylish they're quality and they're affordable it's great uh by selling their products entirely online movement was able to cut out the middleman and the retail markup in order to provide you the best price possible their watches started just 95 which is a fraction of what department store brands typically charge. This revolutionary pricing, along with movement's classic design, quality construction, and styled minimalism has led to over 500,000 watches being sold in 160 countries. I have one. You have one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's awesome. So step up your watch game and see why people across the world love movement watches. I will say normally I have to take my watch somewhere to get adjusted because they have very little wrists. And this one, they give you, you have little bird-like wrists. Little bird wrists. Oh, yeah. Scientists can work on that for you if you want. Yeah, they're doing it instead of the woolly mammoth. Yeah, so. wrist expansion. <laughs> A little injection, just, just expand you your huge, wrist. Huge, you don't wrist. need to. You don't need to adjust your watch bands. You just expand your wrist <laughs> to like the size big, of big Popeye wrists. <laughs> that, hey guys, I'm just letting you know that's how I busted that leather belt uh, twister. <laughs> style, so. Just go to mvmtwatches.com/slash/relevant and get 15 percent off today, plus free shipping and free returns. That's mvmtwatches.com/slash/relevant. Join the movement. See what they did there? Wow. Join the movement. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sam Worthington is known for his roles in films including Terminator Salvation, Hacksaw Ridge, and most famously is the hero of the Avatar franchise. They're uh, opening that Avatar land in May at uh, oh, just I'm in so time. Disney. There you go. This week, his latest film hits theaters, a big screen <laughs> adaptation of William Paul Young's best-selling faith-based novel, The Shack. In it, Sam plays a grieving father who meets God in the form of individual members of the Trinity after his young daughter is murdered. Spoiler alert. We recently spoke with him about his own faith, the controversy behind the book, and why the story is so important. Here is Sam Worthington. I'm curious, uh, in terms of this this particular role of Mac in the Shack, would you, when uh, several years ago the Shack novel came out and seemed like you know here it was just everywhere. Um, did you read the book back when it back when it was first coming out, or what, what's your experience with the novel itself? Um, I experienced the novel after I read the screenplay. Um, so I went into the screenplay blind, and and which was probably the best thing. Um, because then you're just experiencing a journey as you read it. And then I went back and read the novel several times afterwards to see over and over to see if the themes that were in the book were actually you know, brought over into the movie because obviously you can't put all the book into a movie so you're hoping that parts uh, that resonate the most or the themes about forgiveness and family are, are, are strongest in, in the emotional core of the, of the script. Um, so that, that's when I did that. So then, what was it about the film uh, that interested you when, when you were approached about the role or, or were considering it? Look, I, I said to my agents, can you get me the most unusual thing out there? To be honest, um, they sent me this, and I don't think... You've got no idea when you read a script of what, what's going to happen, and sometimes you choose a movie because of the actors involved or the character does some, you know, you can identify with the character. This was just a feeling I got. I finished it and I felt, I felt so much. It was a visceral reaction. And I kind of then talked to the producer and said, look, I don't know what it is. Maybe I just want to go on the journey that Mac's going on. And because I've had my own sense of burdens of guilt and, you know, not forgiving people and anger. Maybe I just want to go on that exploration. That's all it really was. It's it's very hard to put into words. You know, maybe in five years' time I'll be able to tell you more clearly why I chose to do it in hindsight. But at the time, it was literally I had a very strong feeling. What what is the shack about? I mean, I think there's a, it gets a lot of attention, especially in American Christian circles, the novel at least, and then even the movie coming back out. Um, and I think there's a lot of. Um, uh, maybe assumptions or presumptions about what the the story is is about, you know. Uh, but but for you and maybe even the, even the team working on it, what what is the shack about fundamentally? I personally think it's a the story that shows you the guidelines of how to forgive yourself. Um, and you know, we all have built these shacks over the course of how how ever old you are. You've all had feelings of you know, uh, grief and guilt with certain things in your life and uh, resentments. And we we do carry them like backpacks. We do build these kind of places to live in. And 
I was I love this idea of that. And the Bible does this as well. It's like a guideline or gives you this kind of set of tools that help you move forward and become a better person. And I think the shack to me, there was something about this this through line of forgiveness of how to forgive other people who have done you wrong, how to essentially forgive God for letting that happen. And most importantly, forgive yourself and let it all go and slowly move forward and heal. And I think, and become a better person. I think that that is something that can resonate. I think that's something that a lot of us are searching for and don't even know where to begin. And I think a lot of us want the answers now. And the book and the movie tells you that you can get through these things. You can start these, this journey of forgiveness, but it's going to take time. And that's it's okay that it's time. And I think that's what it's that's what it's saying to us. Your character Mac is from a um, like quintessentially like Americana, you know, story setting. You know, you know, from Midwest and kind of farmish land, and um, and that yeah. that extends even to you know they're a part of this church, but his dad has this like hypocritical side, where he's an alcoholic, and, and all these things that went into shaping his view of of church and Christianity and those things. Uh, and then of course you, Sam Worthington, you're from Surrey, England and, and seals pretty removed from all that. Uh, was there any, I mean, is this a totally different world from how you grew up or did, did y'all grow up in, in the church of England or how did you access this character of Mac? I, I didn't grow up in a religious background. Um, thanks to God light in the sense of a friend of mine at 19 said, Hey, do you want to read the Bible? Cause it might calm you down. some." um, and, by reading it, I kind of gone on my own exploration and discovery of what faith is and what my relationship to say God is. And it's something that I could identify with Mac of what is this relationship that you have with God. And that's what I could identify with, this, this searching for answers in your life, you know, this, this journey of self-discovery that we all go through and this longing for... You know, we all long for answers now, and that's what I love, that we may not get them, and I can identify with that. It wasn't necessarily the world that he's in, but the, the essence of the man, and this man that was longing for calm and ease in his life, and didn't know how to achieve it. Um, you know, it's, it's a great, I said to my mate the other day, I said, there's a, when my kid goes crazy and he's upset, I hug him, and I don't have the answers but I can hold him and make him feel better and he calms down. And I think in the movie especially, and also in my own experience, that's kind of what praying to God does. I, I'm not getting back any answers, but I feel like I'm being hugged. And I feel like it's okay and I calm down and then I can go forward until the next time I spin out of control and get upset and angry and frustrated with life. And then that's something that we can all relate to. It doesn't matter where you're from. Um, in certain circles, the shack is uh, a was a controversial book, and so the making of a movie is is somewhat controversial uh, in those same circles. Uh, then that all centers around, of course, the the portrayal of God. Um, 
were you aware of all that? Um, and, and what do you, you know, on this side of it, what do you, what do you make of it? Or have you had much interaction with, with kind of the controversial aspects? I was, I was aware of it. And, you know, there's going to be controversy about any kind of uh, book of this nature. Sure. Um, and I think that, to be honest, you know, the portrayal of God is, as, a, as a, a, a black woman is made clear in the movie they say we come in the form that you know is less threatening because the character of Mac has had some problems with his father so she comes in a form that isn't as confrontational because if he had come in a form as a a a man with a big white beard say Mm -hmm. Mac wouldn't have listened and we wouldn't have had no journey and there wouldn't have been no kind of healing and there would have been no book and no movie Um, yeah that character so it's it's explained in the movie and I kind of went with that because I do believe that God comes to us in the form that we need him in most when we need him that was Sam Worthington make sure to check out the chat the shack it opens this week Nationwide, and if you want to play with or see other spiritually named movies, you could watch him in Terminator Salvation. Yeah. <laughs> Carl Lentz makes an appearance at the end. Uh, yeah, not to be confused with The Shack, S H A Q, a lovely documentary. Available about her. Uh, TNTs every Thursday night um, yeah. on the NBA on TNT. I would love for him to name a book The Shack. <laughs> about, like, his autobiography is about called him. The Shack. <laughs> oh. he, ha- he has it. He has a book called Shack Uncut, where he tells you know stories from Shaq his NBA stories. career about. It's basically him bad mouthing former teammates. <laughs> oddly, the audiobook is read by Octavia Spencer. We don't know why. She did a great it's, job. Yeah, yeah, great beautiful. job. She tore the tore the book down. Incredible range. <laughs> Listening to Young Fathers. I guess it's just me, me and Jesse and Eddie, our new group. The song is Only God Knows. (laughs) The latest album from rap duo Social Club Misfits is The Misadventures of Fern and Marty. It deals with heavy themes like personal faith and family, combined with the wit and underground hip hop style the rappers have become known for. Uh, it is trap loving barber approved. Yeah, nine, music. nine out of ten barbers love Your this. Atheist barber. Yeah, well, atheist yeah. trap loving the barbers. Atheist barber circles, from what I understand. Yeah. Really big in the atheist trap loving barber circles. Uh, we recently spoke with the guys about the new record. What inspired some of its more memorable songs and their creative process? 
Here at Social Club Misfits. All my attention. You know the way into my heart, only one direction. Give you all my affection. I know you yearn for. I yearn for tools where we made for. My life's goal is to make you smile. Raise the kids to be great in the meanwhile. You encourage the flows that I write while I put them out. <laughs> yeah, I read a true friend sticks closer than a brother. But when I met you, you were different from the others. A story of real love. Still repping for my brothers. Know you feel so this is your, I think it's your third full length, but this is the first on your new label. Is that right? This is like our debut. It feels like our debut album, honestly, yeah. because we, uh, we've never gone past like 10 songs. You know, like we always keep it humble. 10, you know, 10 songs. Yeah. This is a 15 track debut album. Excited about it. Uh, first with Capital. Uh, first uh, with Capital. And we're excited, man. Honestly, it's, uh, we wanted to do something that we've never done. Uh, and that was to really, like give a full you know like albums nowadays they end at like six yeah so we were like let's give let's go opposite of the ep route and let's just give the people what they want 15 full-length songs and we just gave it all we got we're really excited about it uh, friends of the family do it for the friends of the family uh friends of the family do it for the friends of the family who else friends of the family do it for the friends of the family uh friends of the family you don't know them, you don't know me, man. Hey, hey, friends in the family, do it for the friends in the family. Hey, friends in the family, do it for the friends in the family. Who else? Friends in the family, do it for the friends in the family. Hey, uh, friends in the family. You don't know them, you don't know me, man. In terms of process or any of those things, was was that the same? Like, what went into this that was maybe different from your previous projects? Yeah, immediately, immediately off the off the top of my head when you asked. What process changed from the last album to this would be the fact that we were uh, we were with some of the best musicians that we were able to partner with. You know, uh, the band called Forty Two North and the producer Wit together, masterminded alongside with us. Um, not only that, but we were able to be in some of the coolest. You know, uh, the spot was so cool. The equipment was yeah. We had a awesome. studio everything was, in the Nashville was office. Cool. That was yeah. like amazing. We were able to put music together. It's like we, we were actual band directors, Martin and myself. We were there in the room. We had the instrumentalist with us. And then we were just able to dream up anything we could possibly fathom. They were able to reproduce on the fly immediately. And so nothing was off like nothing was off limits. We were able to explore. As you can see on the album, we were able to explore all types of musical soundscapes due to the fact that we were able to finally like link up with these legendary musicians that could work like this. I felt, yeah, I felt like, uh, I felt like Isaac Hayes, you know? Only if my wife lets me. Hey guys, she's cool, we're good. This is for the friends and family. Yeah, yeah. They don't know what we've been doing. Wow, planning a family reunion. Everything booming. How about the bus and the yuns? Come to your door like I'm Norman. Put on my life in this music. My God in this music. My heart in this music. What else are we doing? This is that pure. No substitution. I'm not the man. I'm a human. This for the fans of the movement. Woo. Yeah, for the friends and the family who know that we're doing is more than just rapping. We're back on road, about to pull up tour bus, parking in the lot. What's happening? Jordan fours and a pure boost, long tee with the hoodie on. That's fashion. When you see me on stage, that's passion. For the guy who allows what I'm rapping Y'all says we truth Tell us we good fellas I did notice that a lot of the songs Touch on um, What you might call uh, huh, uh, Kind of Millennial angst or contentment Or you know kind of that sense of um, 
I don't need the things that the culture's telling me I need or I wrestle with wanting things that I don't need or, you know, this, that, or the other. Am I hearing that right? Do you think there is a theme to what you guys were trying to address from a lyrical standpoint or did you take uh, each song as an individual uh, irrespective of the others? How did you approach that? Yeah, I think we took it individual. Our friend, I'd probably say individually we took it as, hey, every song should be able to stand on its own. You know, and um, I think that I, the whole overall theme of the album is, you know, the misadventures of Fern and Marty. It's like Absolutely. life gives you detours. You know, life gives you detours. Life gives you moments where you don't expect you know, anything to happen or something to happen. It's like it's like finding for me personally, like I just got married, but I had a date for why five hundred people before I met my wife. You know, like <laughs> you go on dates and you do things and you and it's not life is not point A to point B. You know, and, and I think as long as we're having our faith in God and understanding that he wants, if he put the dream in us, he probably wants that dream to happen more than we want to happen. I think, and there's a faith in God saying, you know, I trust you during the journey. I trust you in the process. That's hard because, you know, the process, it's scary. But that was the theme of the album is that, like, there's misadventure. So every every song is like its own adventure, its own misadventure. Every song has its own um theme to it and I, I feel like if you pull any song out it stands on its own I think that was what we intentionally made it happen is a usual suspect. I think it's crazy. I love that verse. I remember writing that verse. Um, it's just, I feel like the flow to it is just real, like real mean, like a movie. At the end of the day, we're getting our point across, but it's not like, you know, we don't have to run through no hoops. We don't need no firework displays. It's just, just straight message, just coming straight across. You know, you hear everything we're saying, like you can see it, like I said. Um, it's almost like the wordplay on that verse. Like I said, it's just 3D has coming at you, you know? They sure to like really curate these verses and put them right on the instrumentals where they belonged. And I feel like, you know, that verse that I laid down there, Martin and myself, were some of the strongest verses. I love those joints. The reg from amazing grace, somehow you still love me. Love you still love me, a work of progress, and I'm far from finished. Uh, you made a way for me, you gave my life a new beginning. When I thought that it was ending, yeah, this yeah. that song I play when it's turbulence shaking on the plane. Uh, Tell my wife that I'm gonna be okay. If God is for me, I won't let's be talk about Misfit Anthem. You know, um, yeah, we, we were able to I love that. remake, See. yeah, we were able to remake a Hill Song with um, a Hill Song record. Um, yeah. With Riley uh, Clemens, a girl who's um, just signing to Capitol, uh, we were able to remake the song with Wit. I like the end of it; it's got this Bon Iver feel. Um, like it, it's just a song that's kind of us pouring out our heart. And um, I remember hearing it one day and just kind of like weeping under the weight of that song because it's so it's just so powerful. Like just thinking about how how far God's taken us and how it really is all about God. It's all about him. And, you know, these are our testimonies. You know, these are our, our testimonies on a song in a way that we've never experienced it. And I feel like that song in particular, um, Broken Vessels by Hillsong that we sampled, is so, it's so close to my heart. It's one of those songs that I sing, you know, and I just, my hands are up and I'm just like, God, I, I don't have much, but I'll give it to you. And I feel like that's what this album is, is that, 
you know, we're giving God all we got. It might not be much. We're not, might, we might not be the dopest rappers on a scale of what some people say. We might not be the best songwriters, but when we give something to God, we give all we have to God. He makes it into something amazing and beautiful. And so this album is really just like us giving whatever we got to God. And it's like this new journey that we're going on being signed. You know, who knows it will work out. That's really the idea behind when you get signed. It's like, it's still a gamble. You know, there's still, but no matter what happens in this moment, this 15 minutes that we have to have a platform the next couple of years, we want to make sure people understand, number one, that your identity is in Christ. That's why we say misfit. And number two, um, you know, God is a God of the second chances. And so I really feel like that song uh, just incorporates all those themes together. Yeah, I don't know what you be saying, girl, girl When you be trying to talk to me I filter out the negative, yeah That's my new philosophy, yeah We got us, we got art I got goddess from the start Can't nobody touch my vision, man I feel like Tony Stark When I act, popping out, popping out, yeah, yeah I'm popping out, popping out, yeah I'm popping out, popping out, yeah I'm popping out, popping out, yeah I'm popping out, popping out I'm popping out, popping out, yeah I'm popping out, popping out, yeah that was Social Club Misfits. Make sure to check out the uh, misadventure of Fern and Marty. It's out now. Your atheist barber will love it. <laughs> 100%. Stay tuned. Up next, your feedback. hear the words of Jesus, be surrounded by the sounds of the crowd in Jerusalem, an experience so vivid it's like being there. The Breathe Audio Bible. Hear it for yourself with a free download of the Gospel of Mark at breathebible.com. You're listening to Temples. The song is Strange or Be Forgotten. Or Strange or Be Forgotten. Mm. That should be be our t-shirt that we wear at the family reunion. Yeah, I'm done. Strange or Be Forgotten. Quite the ultimatum. Thank you. You you think you'd be... (laughs) So you you don't want to take the family name, eh? Yeah. Is that a message to Chandler's girlfriend? Yeah, Chandler, that's how you... In about a year or two, when you're really thinking about sealing the deal, that's how you you do it. Yeah. Strang or be no, forgotten. No hyphenation in yeah. this family. Yeah. No, ma'am. No. <laughs> Strang or be forgotten. Noted. All right. It's time for your feedback. Please just move forward and stop talking about it. I love how awkward it makes Chandler feel. <laughs> I just needed a job and decided to become a producer. I never wanted to be talked about. I love my brother a lot and wanted to be around him. But please stop talking about my life. Uh, last week, we asked you, uh, well, we got talking about sports, mm-hmm. you know, because that's why yeah. people tune in uh, is, uh, for all the sports chat. Yeah. And uh, we got talking about some of the more boring sports like hockey and baseball and ways mm-hmm. that they could be improved. Mostly hockey. We had some pushback about how we offended Canada. Well, there's lots of Canadians who listen to this show. So. It's like soccer except on ice, and it's so boring. 
And with whatever. Like little the, tiny soccer ball. The soccer ball was a little tiny thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, At least, just, but here's the thing. Here's my thing about soccer, okay? That you don't see this in hockey. You, someone, they can, two players can bump into each other on the soccer field and both of them fall down and act like they just got shot. Agreed. Like, it is insane. <laughs> I mean, well, like, I've seen a guy grab his leg as, <laughs> like, literally as if his leg was just blown off by, like, a cannon in a World War II movie. And then, like, when he sees it, doesn't get the call he just he literally pops up like nothing happened but or, that would never happen get the in call. hockey i've seen it's a just, play i've seen a hockey player get like three teeth knocked out and and not leave the ice at all like he didn't pick the teeth up they, they don't just, even like, care their mouth with their arm. <laughs> it's true they are tough they're tough i mean it's they're like uh What's that? Rugby. They're like rugby players. Yeah. You know, yeah. And they just but skate that, around. But that's my issue with soccer. Skates. It's like, okay, we don't, the, the, the theatrics aren't necessary here. We, we, we all saw you not even kick each other. Okay. And you're, <laughs> you're, ro- you're rolling on the ground in agony, like screaming. I, I don't disagree. I got to say that that part of soccer is a little bit, especially when it's, it's just the like European this, influence. It's mm. the long delay of game. You're like, <laughs> come on, man. They're not giving you a yellow card five minutes later. Mm. Just walk it off. Right, and now your team's down because they the, went the other direction, and you're laying there trying to still get that card. That's not going to happen. Let it go. I'm terrified the worst of the day someone acting. does like break a leg out there and needs like the meat wagon to come out or whatever, like in the NFL uh, game, and they can't get it because they just think they're trying to get the call. Like that's the boy who cried wolf. It's going to happen. This out is, there. The boy who cried wolf is an important life lesson yeah. that everybody needs to know. Yeah, but that's the difference in soccer is you can tell right away because all the other players are just walking over, grabbing water, and they can they know they know the guys down. But it's when the other players start to run to them, you're like. Oh, that guy is dead. Like this is not, this is not good. They, the other players never worry, but when they do, it's like you know, yeah. blown ACL or you know, lost an arm. Yeah. Or yeah, or they or they don't care, and then they feel bad later because he actually was hurt. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. That, but see, that's good for the guy who's like you know trying to get the sympathy, trying to get the mm. card, and he actually really was impaled. Yeah. You know, it's like very satisfying after the fact to say, "I told you so." Right. They have like a, they have to have a safe word out there. Oh. Like they're just screaming. Like if I scream like the word Aladdin, Woolly you need to yeah. know I got a real problem. Yeah, but if anything else, you just know I'm. Just Aladdin is a good word. Like if you like hit your thumb with a hammer, like Aladdin, Aladdin would naturally come out. That's a right. good word. Yeah, but yeah. If, yeah. <laughs> that's my that's my go to. That rolls off the yeah. tongue, right? Yeah. Aladdin. That's good. Not to feel bad about it. Yeah. Well, anyway, we we asked you guys the question week was what are your ideas uh, ways to improve other sports? You hit us up on the podcast episode page at rollingmagazine.com. You also post. Posted on uh, Twitter at Relevant Podcast. Here are a few of our favorite ideas. Okay, th- this one is from Andy uh, Schultz, and he had several ideas to improve multiple sports. I love this for baseball. 25% of the baseballs look and feel exactly like a normal baseball, but turn into a cloud of powder when the batter makes contact with it. So it just ex- explodes in a really humorous poof. Uh, <laughs> I added that, you know, as little humorous color poof. Little, little. Humorous poof. That was my band name in high school. <laughs> if that happens, the inning is over. That way, not only is it amusing to watch, uh, but it also has an incentive uh, for pitches to be easier to hit because you know a pitcher never knows when he's going to throw the one that just poofs into powder. Uh, so I like that. Um, he also I, one of the other ones I liked of his was hockey. Play in the dark. Only the puck, goalposts, <laughs> and the tape of the blade of the stick glow in the dark. Everything else is is completely dark. <laughs> Players uh, can't even see the boards or which way you know their teammates are. Uh, but fans wear night vision goggles. That would definitely heighten the excitement. I think. Yeah, I gotta true. say, a majority of the feedback was just making ex- sports 
extremely and brutally violent. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, actually, that is really funny. <laughs> Great point. Um, although this that. one is not. Addison said, track, same distance events, but each is preceded by a hot dog eating competition. Uh. Oh, so no. it's just a terrible, awful mess. There used to be a Krispy Kreme challenge in Asheville, North Carolina, yes. and you would have to run three miles to the Krispy Kreme, eat a box, yeah. and then run back. So but Krispy Kremes don't like fill you up as it's, much it's as a hot dog like, would. About, a dozen like, of them cured meat. A dozen it's all air. It's uh, I mean like you could ball that up into something the size of a tennis ball. I would yeah, die. it's just carbs. <laughs> the it's just evidence carbs. doesn't bear yeah. that out because people would be just losing it on the way back. <laughs> uh, Carter McNeese, our old friend, said, and I really don't need to go beyond it, but he said two words. He's if, not like a senior citizen, is he? He is Our 84. Carter McNeese, 84. 84 years old this week. <laughs> Happy birthday, Carter. Uh, two words, defensive golf. Hear me out. Teams of two. One is the offensive player who basically just plays golf normally. <laughs> the second is the defensive order. The, the defensive player, excuse me. In order to, to defend and try to make the other team rack up strokes, the defensive player is armed uh, with a shotgun and attempts to shoot the ball, a la skeet shooting. Yeah. The new ball is placed from the spot of the defensive player. <laughs> Safety issues obviously have to be worked out, but after all, if there is no danger, why do we really want to watch? So I think it's great. It's a skeet so shooting go- event. Mm-hmm. Golf and skeet shooting. Oh, I, I'm, I'm going back to the hot dog one real quick like why did they do choose hot dogs like i think you i, I like that's the, idea. the classic eating but, competition yeah yeah but but why not i think they have to draw straws so one guy has like boiled eggs like a dozen <laughs> boiled eggs one guy has like a jar of honey you know like one guy has like a vat of gumbo like stuff that's really hard to just stomach and licorice run. somebody has to eat just <laughs> a sam's box of licorice <laughs> I would. Uh, I can't even think about it. I gotta go. <laughs> There's Gosh. just garbage cans lining the track. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Quentin Stewart obviously has never seen a monster truck rally because he said compo- combine two boring sports, ski jumping and NASCAR, and make the most entertaining thing ever created: uh, cars going off jumps with the simple task of whoever makes it the furthest wins. That's literally they do this all over the country. Yeah. It's a monster truck rallies. Yeah, I've been. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have? Thanks, Quentin. Yeah. With Padre? Uh, no. I went boyfriend? With, yeah, with my boyfriend. <laughs> my really? boyfriend always took me to Monster Truck. <laughs> we like loved it. <laughs> um, no, there was like a big Monster Truck event in uh, San Diego. Did he cry to. when he saw Bigfoot finally in person? Because he had been waiting. <laughs> Sunday, so Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> You're like in the middle of a real talk and he just starts to weep. I and was like, can you define what this is? <laughs> Bigfoot I, I, I took Noah to one. Mind <laughs> you, Noah's three. Yeah. Um, my son. You but when the robot date. came out and ate a car, he thought that like he does not know that that's not a real robot. Right. That that's literally <laughs> what he's eating, you know. But again, he's much older than Chelsea's old boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> much younger. Who's fictional. Uh, yes. a- Addison Addison said uh, polo, but replace the tame horses with the wild, one fr- the wild ones from the rodeo. I would totally watch that version of polo. <laughs> so the, the bucking Broncos horses? The- yeah, yeah. So I mean, I mean, but there's no polo being played. It's just a bunch of scared dudes in polo shirts and those goofy helmets that aren't going to protect anything. Just running around in a big pen, like a bunch of British guys in a pen with a with bucking broncos. I don't think Lock bucking broncos are good because you wouldn't. No, I think but wild horses would be good because they're not going to buck you off, but you can't control them. So I think that, that so could you're just add. swinging that big mallet wildly. You might get near the ball. You can still have a shot to play some polo, but like you're not going to. Yeah, I like the idea of not being able to control if them. You, if you think about polo, it's like a 
super poorly designed game. Like, if you are going to, like, reach off a horse and hit a ball with something, a gigantic mallet is the worst possible (laughs) instrument to do it with. Really? What would you use instead? Like a big hockey stick or, like, a big (laughs) tennis racket thing. Or, yeah, like a lacrosse thing. I'm throwing it. But, you know, like, croquet is super lame, right? Right. So why would you combine croquet with anything? That's what they did with horses. It's just a lame. There's a reason reason we don't watch it in America. Some of these sports, it's pretty obvious, like, how it like the origins made sense. Right. You know, let's, we're trying to shoot something at a target. We're trying to, you know, we'll have teams. Da, da, da. It makes sense. Right. The, the, the origin story of polo, like who was yeah. the guy who had that first idea and said, guys, guys, I have an idea for what we're going to do this afternoon. And then come from medieval stuff when they're riding around horses and stabbing people. Like, yeah, where like the, a, where a the big hammer come jousting. from? But I'm saying you can't stab someone anymore. So the, essentially, they got they have to have something. They have some some sort of test of agility while they're riding on a horse. Instead yeah, of no stabbing one wants to see someone, that. they're just like unless people are getting knocked off the horses. No one cares. So you're saying <laughs> this was like hammer. basically what they did at Renaissance fairs after the Renaissance, right? To like show their knighting skills, right? We can still do this. I could I could still run past a dude and brain him with, so, but I'm going to use a big mallet. So essentially, time. the you know 1400 uh, version of medieval times, Behold. you know, we're like here you come look at the skills that we will display. We're going right. to do it in a right. sporting sense now, <laughs> right? Right, okay. right. Yeah, I mean that feels like its origin story there you go i like it could you I, imagine being the first group of people to like test that on though because it's not like today where you can advertise like things have changed <laughs> so you think you're going to a jousting event and then right. you're watching people play just kind of hit a ball with a i stick. think it was a slow evolution <laughs> they kind of put little like uh protective tips on the ends of the sword so they wouldn't kill people <laughs> still killed a lot of people yeah right so then they're just like you know what let's let's and then the sword is down. the sword's not wide enough to really hit a ball very well so we gotta yeah. have a flat you know yeah round make it a giant mallet gotta put a weight at the end of it to give it a good fuck yeah, <laughs> I think it's. See, but Eddie, if you would combine polo and jousting, where they're jousting, they're just hitting each other with those giant mallets. I'm gonna be honest. I'd watch that. Yeah, uh, yeah. If you're hitting, yeah, that's a great point. You're hitting it's each a, other. It's off a big, horse. it's a good old fashioned mallet fight on horseback. I don't <laughs> right. think that. Okay, so so you're saying it's a, a polo, polo attire, polo gear, mm-hmm. and the polo rules still. But you can also use your mallet to <laughs> knock other players off their horses. Yes, and you. Get, so there's a defensive aspect. You get double to it. points. Double points for knocking people yeah. off with the mallet. You hit the ball through the thing, a single point. Right. You hit the player off, yeah. it's two points. Two points. That's how you improve polo. Um, That's yeah. how you make it wildly violent. And I think they, they, one guy gets a giant mallet out there, like comically oversized, and he's just the goon. He's just the guy out there just wailing people off. He's the off enforcer. The he's he's going to go right after Justin Bieber. Yeah. He's going to go right up to him. Chelsea, how mad were you the night that you guys had the grave digger conversation when you told him that... Did he always use your names favorite? of monster trucks yeah. as allegory for your relationship My status? My boyfriend. <laughs> he yeah. took me to monster truck You rallies. told him that your favorite one was grave digger and he just throws down his monster That's, energy drink. I mean, I don't want to rehash the thing, but um, that is that may or may not be why things He's ended. like, do you even understand that that team was just a bunch of traitors? Like, they're not even... They're just like... They're backed by like... Like this huge conglomerate they're like they don't even know and he's just like so mad yeah i, I was just as speechless as i am now yeah. did you, did you yeah. break the news to him that there are three book bigfoots like the, yeah. there isn't just one bigfoot like it's, absolutely and that's yeah uh, yeah yeah and he just he just, just looked at it. you and he said he tore the set down his face was just burning and the he's real just like, trouble was that i drank red bull and not monster <laughs> oh, yeah. he there's a lot of uh, there's a lot more feedback uh you should go check it out okay it's time for this week's 
All right. Well, earlier in the show, we were thinking, we were just debating off offline about you know what the question should mm-hmm. be, and since Carl Lentz was on the show earlier or mentioned, we were mm-hmm. thinking maybe we should do a question about Lent. <laughs> And then that didn't go anywhere. Um, <laughs> no, I, uh, I mentioned that Social Club, you know, uh, just had their great new album that you just heard a lot of. And my atheist cool barber, who <laughs> fancies himself a tastemaker, especially with trap and emerging hip hop, you know, really liked the album, even though, even though it was Christian. And it got us thinking about other Christian albums or albums that are explicitly kind of more gospel focused, um, uh, other albums like that, that maybe hold up and that like your atheist barber yeah. might actually enjoy uh, this week. I don't know if you watch crashing the Pete Holmes show on HBO, jars of clay made quite an appearance, uh, with flood and stuff. Quite, quite an appearance. And again, and we're stuff. not fully recommending or not recommending this show. Yeah. But gotta, if you happen to see it, it is quite as a hard yeah. R as Jesse would say, a yeah, hard R. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, uh, Pete Holmes, there was a scene in the car where he, uh, was, you know, a good, they were going on a road trip, him and, and Artie Lang and Artie's like, got any music, got any CDs, whatever. And he's like, yeah, here's some CDs. And what's this one? Oh, jars of clay. Yeah. And he, and he's like, I'll oh, put it on. It's really good. And it's Pete good. just has this like happy smile. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> I can't swim after four. He's so, like, so here's yeah. a you know a Christian artist that that he's trying to like win over for his yeah. you know non Christian friend. What is that album for you? What's your favorite Christian explicit album? Not explicitly explicit, Christian, but you know what I'm saying? Explicitly Christian album. Yeah, um, that you think has legs and could survive outside of the subculture. Hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcasts, and you can post your suggestions also at the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. We will not only tell you some of our favorites right. next week, we will play clips and, I'm and just, tell you if you're right or wrong. I'm just going to say, don't you know, need to pander. DC Talk will be played. That is my example. <laughs> you don't hey, have to do I want to hear. I want to hear just off the top of the dome right now a right. non DC Talk uh, a selection from you. Non DC Talk selection. Well, I mm-hmm. actually, I have a I have a twofer with that question. You right. can be thinking about that. Okay. I want to know what DC Talk song would be the one you play for a non-religious person when you're saying this is just great music. There's some, there's some Christian music that's great music. I'm going to play you this song as an mm-hmm. example to make my point. Mm-hmm. What song is that for you? Well, for the for Jesse's question, any any uh, POD for all the youth group kids because I feel like <laughs> that really gets the message we across. Are, we are. <laughs> oh, See, even that. So that's it. Yeah. I was a secular kid. I love that song. Easy yeah. talk song that actually would play for a non- and you're not trying to be funny. You're like, yeah. no, legitimately, there was great, great Christian music in the late 90s, early 2000s, or whatever. Here's an example. You need to give me a second. On this. <laughs> <laughs> you need to give me a second. I feel like we had a really good run in the early 2000s and late 90s yeah. of like, of like, kind of... Mackie uh, Velasquez. No, of like indie, kind of like to- mm. late tooth and nail era. Right, because right. the like great example is uh, Switchfoot, right? Like they yeah. definitely crossed in. There you go. Yeah. That's a good but, one. But like, I, I loved those, Cameron, those bands like, there was like Further Seems Forever. There was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like I remember, I really liked Juliana Theory before mm-hmm. they had like, they went to like a major label when they put out Tooth and Nail Records. Uh, 238. Uh, I really liked really Adam again. That was in like 98, era. 99. Adam again. Yeah. I like, I like Blindside a lot. There you go. Blindside See, there was some cool. good stuff. Sweet, they, they were like the Swedish metal band. So now right? you guys can't use those. Yeah. You're, 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 now you have to go deeper cuts. I think honestly, a lot of people would agree with me on this is if, if you go back for further, far enough where MXPX life in general, like came out before like those like 
pop punk like totally blew up. And that actually is a pretty good album for that genre. That's not like just radio mm. stuff. If you, you know, like I think it was more culturally influential than people give it credit for in hindsight. And, and DC Talk one is vexing me. They're very of the moment. They're very nostalgic. Right. Uh, what, what would have worked then? Like during the era of Supernatural, you could have played that album or any song off of it and been like, okay, that works. But now you feel when you listen to Supernatural that you're walking back into the... Is, is, are you saying that Supernatural is kind of like Twister? <laughs> it doesn't quite hold up the way it you is know. hard for me to speak of my beloved there's a glaring plot hole somewhere <laughs> in it and then a random cow goes flying by it is it is hard for me to speak of my beloved DC talk especially since I am close personal friends with one of the people in the band no as yes. we know uh, we actually have each other's phone numbers and have texted before um but yes yes there is a there is a there is a metaphoric guy holding a cow across the screen and uh, don't don't quite know if it's still the cgi it could not be improved a chandler bit. me with me without you catch for us the foxes do you remember that record yeah absolutely that was me a, without you is one of my favorite bands back like to my 2000s. dc talk point though if they got together now and decided to seriously write something like really make a go for it they would write. They would be able to write something now that would feel like now and has artistic credibility. I think you're. Was, I think you're a little blinded by your bias there. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. I think you're right. Because no. Toby Mac is still like putting out records, we and they're not like no, no. crossing not, over. No, I'm, I'm not, not throwing about shade. Barber, I'm just saying. My barber's I'm, not talking about the new Mac, true. Toby Mac album. I'm, say, I'm saying. There's a, there's a lot of background because I am friends with someone that is in the band. <laughs> I would do the same work. <laughs> All right, so hit us up. Tell us those albums that you think will have legs for your atheist barbers. I'm saying they got Le- they had Lennon and McCartney, right? And then one of them, who is my friend, <laughs> is no again, longer Eddie, in the band. I think you're inflating their influence just right. slightly. There was also, but there was also McCartney. Ringo. He served a purpose. He created the backbeat, but you still have to have Lennon and McCartney. And if those two guys aren't doing it, well, you just have John Lennon and Ringo. And what are they making? monkey music it's terrible this is awful many thanks to our guests for joining us this week sam worthington's new film the shack releases this weekend you want me to talk about that some more feels like you want me to keep going uh also thanks to social club misfits if you have any atheist barbers in your life that have uh great taste in trap and hip-hop music check out their album and uh, maybe slip them a copy mm-hmm. and then that little carl lentz clip at the end you know yeah yeah. Good I would also happen. like to note, don't let them listen to any old DC talk. We're 10 minutes into this, and Eddie has yet to name <laughs> one song. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it, is a little, it is a little hard. Uh, you can follow them on uh, Twitter at Social Club MSFTS. Misfits. There you go. <laughs> uh, thanks to our show sponsors uh, for making the episode possible. Remember, if you go to casper.com slash relevant right now, you can get $50 toward any mattress purchase and uh, use offer code relevant. And also movement watches. You can go to mvmtwatches.com slash relevant, get 15% off today. You'll love their watches. You'll love their mattress and their pillows. I'm telling you, both of those sponsors, I fully, fully vouch, yeah. fully vouch. Oh, yeah. Hey, while you're on the internet this week, browsing around, whether it be your phone, your tablet, or your laptop, go check out the new magazine.com. Yeah. Tell us what you think. And uh, while you're there, subscribe to the magazine. The new issue is out now. It's on newsstands nationwide, although there's fewer and fewer of them as we speak. Newsstands are just dying. Yeah. Um, but most Barnes & Noble have relevant in stock. Not all. Uh, <laughs> and, and if you are at your favorite retailer and don't see it, ask for it. It actually helps get it there. Um, so go check out the new issue of Relevant. You can uh, preview the whole thing at relevantmagazine.com and... and uh, Hopefully, you'll like it. There you go. Great. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Eddie Kaufholtz. I'm Chelsea Steele. I'm Chandler Strang. 
I'm Jesse Carey. We'll see you next week. Touching the ground. But if I can't swim after 40 days if my mind is crushed by the crashing waves that we are so high that I cannot fall to be alone. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Connect with us on Twitter at Relevant Podcast and get bonus material from this episode and more at the podcast section on relevantmagazine.com. And don't forget to check the magazine out. It's available on newsstands and at the iTunes App Store, or you can subscribe online at relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe. I want a chimp that's always a size that if I put him in a Sherlock Holmes outfit and give him a little magnifying glass, I know there's no danger of him mauling me.